Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. All right. My computer made it. There's a lot going on, and (laughs) we're pushing it to the limit, Nick. You are not in studio, unless we just gave you a weird green screen background for no reason. Nope. (laughs) <laughs> not not the green screen. I'm in Tennessee currently. So different different part of the country now. Wow. And we've already got well, that's kind of weird. We had a massive audience concurrent at one point. It has dropped half. I do not know how that happens, but we had a large audience waiting there. Maybe my stats updated weird, but we're glad that you're all here to our post listening audience. We've got great content lined up for you tonight. There's been a lot that has dropped in the disc golf world. In fact, can you just go to the topic list here? Um, and we're going to say hi to Evan. This is our topic list. We may hit some of these. We might miss some of these. We're going to try to get to them. But you can see everything from All-Star to Ricky to the PDGA. We've got Chris Clark from DiscGolf.Law lined up to give us his expert legal opinion. This guy has represented Uliberry. Um dynamic discs sarah hokum he's navigated other contracts with players that we don't even know about (laughs) the point is this guy's specialty is contracts uh, agreements and brand um protection that kind of thing and he's got a great youtube channel we'll definitely give that a shout out as well discgolf.law evan welcome to the show man how are you doing i'm doing good how are you guys doing yeah, there's a lot going we're on at in this season so we're all doing yeah. good it's yeah. insane like we struggle sometimes to have like i mean i think we do an okay job but we struggle to have this like show that is like bringing all these relevant topics right through the off season and then it's like you want stuff to talk about here you go so yeah um that's where we're at i think let's go ahead and uh pull up the topic list and let's hit number one here boom just like that all star so I actually took time to watch a lot of the all-star event, at least to jump in and give it a go for 20, 30 minutes at a time, check things out. Did either of you get a chance to to watch anything with that? Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Evan, I think you were busy doing other things, right? Yeah, I watched a good amount Friday, but then I was skiing all weekend, although I caught up and I watched a chunk of the singles day. Okay. Uh, Caught up today and kind of got a feel for it. Okay. Yeah. Um, where do I start? Uh, actually let's do this. Hit the, hit the random select. We're going to see who yes. gets to start with their opinion on this here tonight. So we got the random select for those Ooh, listening posts. Cool. It randomly selects who's going to be up to it's me. There we go. Well, what are the chances? I don't know how random it is. It's you know, going to 90% lands on me. I, I said the other 5% can be divided between you guys. Yeah. So, um, all right, I'll start it then. And I'm going to give us a two minute and a half two and a half minute topic counter here. So that's all we're taking on this topic, but I'll try not to use it all up. So the skills challenge, I still want to see a different feel to it. I think the production quality is fine. I think there's something to be said about tightening up the pace of how it's happening. Um, It's fun to watch players do these shots, but there was something to me about the team aspect that I didn't love. I felt like it was this weird President's Cup type deal where teams were playing. And it's like, I want it to be more, even more lighthearted. Maybe like literally individuals going up against each other in each of these skills events. Like, have it be like all of them going against each other in the long drives. And all of them doing the accuracy challenge. And all of them doing putting. Like, 
and have everyone there in one group while they're doing it so they can razz each other, make it more lighthearted. Nothing's really on the line. Um, that's kind of my take on All-Stars. Uh, I don't care who goes next. Who wants it? I'll take it. Um, I loved watching the putting. I didn't care for the distance because I don't really like the accuracy and distance put together. And then the accuracy contest is in the most for, I guess, kind of the, I, don't know, I guess, accuracy contest, you can call it. Yeah. But um, putting was my favorite. Alexis Mandahondo absolutely crushed it, and she impressed me a ton with the way she was putting that day. Um, the doubles was fun to watch. The singles was fun to watch. I think kind of the scoring aspect of them and how every single match mattered towards the end of it was really fun. And um, the course itself didn't completely impress me. I think a couple changes here and there, but some players went out, shot hot fire during the doubles. It is cool to see two great players work together and play a match. I think there was only one or two bogeys during the whole doubles round for the MPO side. Uh, and on the single side, I think there was only two or three bogeys maybe throughout the whole thing. So pretty, pretty fun to watch. But I think putting is what I thought was the most All right. fun. Evan, what do you think? Yeah, I, I have to agree with Nick there. I think the putting is the best part. I think it could still use a little bit more work uh, uh, as far as knowing what score people got on different um, stations. I When you would get, jump to the next person, uh, like I honestly would forget what their score was. Yeah. <laughs> and thankfully, the commentators are there to help you out through it. But uh, that's one thing I think could fix that. But that is the best part of the skills competition. I think the accuracy, it's a cool concept, but it doesn't have that excitement factor. And then I do like the distance with accuracy. Uh, it, 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 it feels good, but also a little weird at the same time. So I don't know how much I love it there, but I do think the course needs a lot of work. If they are at Tucson again, which looks like a phenomenal resort, great place for a, the industry conference that was there as well. Uh, cool exhibition course, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like a great design to me. I think, I think there was five holes, uh, for FPO that just weren't even birdied once. Uh, during singles, I, like one, I think it was hole seven. Yeah, hole seven was ninety-two percent had pars. Like, I that's not exciting to me at all. I like we need to have scoring for the for the top players here that are playing it. It just, I think it needs more work. If it's there next year, I just, I want to see the course just have a little bit more love. All right, this is the Nick also, and Matt show. I'm, we flex as much as we want to. I don't know. Can you guys hear when the timer chimed? Did you even know that was a thing? Yeah. Okay. Evan Evan went over. It's so he fine. We're the, no, we're I, the Nick and Matt show. Yeah. We talk. We don't care. We just put the clock up for fun. Yeah. Um, what were yeah, you going to say? I didn't want to shut up. Well, I was going to say, I'm, I'm getting yelled at over text messaging because I said Mandahano wrong. I think I said Mandahondo <laughs> by accident. It's Alexis Mandahano. That's so funny. And hopefully, was that a Hannah McBeth who texted you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guessed oh, yeah. it. I, do I get points for that later in the trivia game? Okay. Yeah. Here's and I said we get to talk and flex as much as we want. The clock means absolutely nothing just there for our entertainment purposes. But what did you think about the roller distance? Now, I've never actually seen that and I know it's not an official distance competition, so it doesn't matter what rules are in place. But it kind of changed it up because when the people realized what they had to beat when they know they can't throw that air shot, everybody just started throwing rollers, like nine rollers in a row, and they won. Um, it makes me think everyone should have just tried throwing rollers. It's an interesting thing, but maybe they say you get two rollers out of the five or something. I don't know. I thought that was somewhat interesting. Um, I just feel like the pace. It was something about it. Like I said, get rid of the team vibe. Uh, go to uh, just straight head to head. Make it more fun. Nothing on the line. Again, I, I don't know exactly what it would take, but that, that was kind of my feeling. All right, let's go well, to I the – yeah, what do you got? Just last thing, talking about the team aspect of it, I think, you know, the doubles is fun to watch. It's kind of like the all-star game. The basketball, the NBA just had their all-star break. 
and the All-Star Weekend, where they do a skills challenge, they do the three-point contest, the slam dunk contest, and then the All-Star game. And then a, there's a celebrity game as well, which I actually think would be pretty cool during this All-Star break, is getting a bunch of the celebrities to go out and play around as well. But um, taking all the skills competitions and stuff like that, I think would be awesome to just have a singles aspect to it, to where every single player in the All-Star break, or half of them, whoever you want to choose, get to compete in that, rather than you're getting team you know, points for Team Paul or Team Ricky. I think that would be really cool. But then watching the All-Star game, you know, the doubles match, I think is a really cool thing as well. So I I think they could tweak it a little bit more to where the viewership, I think, could be more of a fun experience for everyone. But that, that's just my opinion on it. Yeah, so again, we don't need to belabor this point. Let's go to the next topic, which is actually Ricky Wysocki. I'm not starting the clock yet, but let's hit the topic here. So... Ricky announced literally the morning of the event. He attended to the interviews and the press conference morning of the event, uh, day of, afternoon of. He's like, hey, I have to bail. Uh, my wrist is swollen. Uh, it's not too bad, guys, but i just going to, in the best interest of my career, and the LVC start of the season, I'm backing out. Um, I think, Nick, you just actually texted me. I'll steal your thunder. We found out that oh, he actually he actually pulled out of LVC. Tell me what you know about that. Well, I just saw the post over on, uh, I think it was Instagram or Facebook, one or the other, um, saying that he was bummed that he missed the All-Star event. He posted a video of him throwing shots, and he was like, I wish you guys could see more of these. I was ready to throw them at Vegas. But he is now not competing in Vegas. He said it kills him to miss these kind of events. Um, but due to the injury, whatever's going on, he doesn't know whether, or I think he said it was more of a Lyme flare up that he's having right now, um, which is causing him to drop out of these events, which, which is a bummer. I mean, we're getting to the beginning of the season. I think this is the second year in a row that Ricky did not, or was not able to compete in the all-star event and now getting into Vegas, which is a tournament where I think he's done well at in the past. I don't remember if he's won it yet, but, um, Definitely a bummer to see one of the top players not being able to attend the all-star event, which is huge in our sport now. And then also the first big elite series of the year. Yeah. So did he say it was his wrist? Because I'm assuming that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I started a clock on this one just for the fun of it again. So Evan, whatever you got, dude, this is still a yeah, podcast. We can make it long. It's just, it's just there for fun. Go ahead. For sure. Uh, Ricky won in, uh, the Gentleman's Club Challenge. Of course, that's okay. the same event as the LVC, yeah. just the earlier name, uh, in 2017. Little, He's finished, little different. little no, different. It's the same event. Well, they, they uh, played Sunset back then, didn't they? They switched off. I mean, it's still the same event if it's different courses. Um, uh yeah, it's just a lot of uh, events will change courses over time. But my point being is he finished top 10 every year. He's played it since 2013, uh, including 2013. So he does do very well out in Las Vegas, whether it's at Wild Horse or Sunset or whatever other course they offer up. So uh, him missing this event will definitely be a bummer uh, as he's usually at the top of the field. Yeah, so it, Ricky, it's it's unfortunate. That's now back-to-back events. Now, I mean that as All-Star and now LVC. That's unfortunate. And that was actually, I brought this up, why Saki has Lime Flare up. I was thinking it was just going to be relating to All-Stars when I wrote this, this headline, but mm-hmm. it's more. And this was going to be part of the discussion is like, how often is this going to come and affect him this season? And we did see it the we, other. We just got to change the spelling of Lime right there. Oh, my goodness. It's L-Y. Okay. Good call. Yeah, lime. No, lime. Like, he likes the lime juice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, spills his lime juice in his eye or something like that. All right. Well, Anyways, before here. everyone roasts us, there you go. Well, uh, no, I just pulled it down. I have the control too. So, okay. Um, actually, let's do this real quick. While we're here, I literally have a product that I am loving. Like, 
I actually am excited about this. There's the timer. <laughs> we have to be done talking about Ricky. Um, this product, you can go full screen. I'm going to, there, ooh, that's so beautiful too. Max Wax. Now, it's been a little while since you heard me talk about Max Wax, but this new product, the Winter Blend, has me more excited than I've ever been about a product. Um, it is made for colder weather. It does not get hardened to be like, you got to really work to get the, the wax. It is perfect. I love the snapstick version. It is almost on in the winter every single throw. I get just the right amount, feel my disc just right, and I can, I'm loving it. Absolutely. The smell is, it's so, <laughs> I always joke about it, but the smell is so good. I got to pull it back out. It's wonderful. Uh, Nick, this winter blend is something that I use all the time. What do you think about it? So when I was in Massachusetts and was able to actually feel it in studio, it's definitely out of all the blends that he's come out with, whether it's the Snapstick or the regular blend and now the winter blend, this is by far the best stuff. It's got the most tackiness to it, especially in the cold weather. Um, I think I'll even be bringing it out for when the weather gets a little bit warmer. And then be on the lookout the summertime. He's going to be coming out with a hot blend. It's going to be the summer blend, and it's going to be, be able to withstand temperatures up to 90 and 100 degrees. So that's going to be coming out hopefully around the July area. I was just talking with him today about it. Be on the lookout. Don't forget, use code Nick and Matt at dgmaxwax.com. You'll get 10% off your order. And uh, the awesome company working with us, and they've, they've really hooked it up. <laughs> Someone in the chat's razzing me. Disc Golf Vermont. Uh, you needed more of that at Cogs, Matt. Yes, I did, actually. <laughs> I don't know if I had the winter blend then. I'm glad I do now. That's my excuse. Oh. If I had the winter blend, I would have I would have performed much better back then. Okay. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about... We're not taking more than two minutes on this one. Uh, the PDGA logo. It is an interesting thing, logos, right? Um Everybody feels like they need a logo. Uh, Nick, you have a logo. Stat Mando has a logo. Nick and Matt has a logo. If you don't have a logo, you're not a real deal, right? Like, that's how it is. And then you make a logo, and nobody really thinks about the logo ever again. It's just, like, there. And that's that's a good thing from a marketing perspective. You don't want it to be about your logo. You want it to be recognizable. Everyone think of the Amazon logo. You Did you just see it? It's a little smile. <laughs> um <laughs> mcdonald's right like you don't think about it but when you see the arches driving down the road it's a big deal and i think updating over time is important at some level it surprisingly the pdga logo comparatively did look a little old like have you ever opened up like an and this is for the business world an old powerpoint like that was made like 10 15 years ago and it yeah. just feel like old clip art weird like animation stuff uh, the PDGA logo, I didn't realize it was that way until this new one came out. It looks really clean. I find it interesting that people who make these logos also come up with their like whole branding reasoning. They're like, oh, the the disc, you can see the bevel of the disc silhouette and the chain links in the middle with the color being of like the earth and new horizons and all this stuff. And I'm like, all right, just show me the logo. It looks really clean. I like it. What do you guys have thoughts on it? Anything? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, yeah, I, th I think it's a pretty clean logo. It's definitely weird when I go onto the PDGA page and that's what you see. I think just because it's a little bit different than mm -hmm. what we've been so used to, um, especially since I've gotten into the sport about 10 years ago, that's you know what you've seen for 10 years. And then all of a sudden it's changed. And I think change in some areas is good. Um, I don't really know the specific reasons on why certain places and people change their logos. 
but um yeah it's definitely it's different it's and a i like it it's, it's a rebranding thing in my opinion yeah. I, I feel like give me your thoughts evan i feel like the pdga over the last two years especially have been put through the grinder and maybe they always will be but like do you feel like this is at all to do with that evan they're like we need like a new fresh outlook on everything do you, like at all? Well, they, they said it themselves that the the reason why this got sparked is because the logo was a a man putting into a basket, uh, and it was meant to be more inclusive. To uh, there's more oh, than right. just men yep. playing this. Uh, people of all, uh, uh, I mean, men and women in all shapes and sizes play this game, and having just one silhouette of one person doesn't represent all discovers. So the move was meant to get away from that. But then they also had their PDGA word mark with like the interlocking D and G. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really clean and nice. Um, but this change, it allows it to be a little bit more dynamic. Uh, that logo went with its original colors. It really only could work with a white background. Uh, and you could change the colors and it would still look okay. Um, but this new one, it just really pops with whatever, uh, in whatever way it uses, you can, uh, use it with different logos, which has yeah. been their intention. When you go to their website and you notice the little globe, uh, PDGA, like that fits in really nice. You can use it in different places. I mean, I've seen like PDGA women have, a, uh, the, use the new logo and it looks really good. Uh, so all these different places can use this logo and it really ties in a lot better, but, uh, it, it could be a try to being a uh, refresh and, and trying to get a new image. It totally could be. I'm not trying to deny that, but I do think it was sparked all from this uh, trying to be more inclusive. And then they kind of were like, well, while we're at it, let's just give a good uh, clean look. That's a little bit more modern up to uh, speed with the 21st century and our digital world that we're in. And I think they nailed it. I think it's a great logo. Yeah, absolutely. Not much more to say about it. The timer's up besides that. <laughs> So we made it to a good spot where I think the majority of our audience is lined up for this. And it's actually an impressive live audience tonight because the reality is there is an interesting topic that I don't think we've had a discussion of this level um, at yeah. before. Um, you probably have seen it. If you're really invested in disc golf, if you're really invested and this is how you get the information through our show, then you're really invested here too. But um, uh, this is currently February 20th. Um, information, well, we'll go back in a timeline, but realistically yesterday information started coming out that made mention of, uh, prodigy discs, a legal uh, case, a suing, if you will, to make it simple. We'll talk to the legal expert if that's even the right word, but against, uh, Gannon Burr for, um, saying that he's leaving his contract early with prodigy. So, uh, we, we know that we are not the professional legal experts and right I was literally away. just about to say this little <laughs> spiel before we bring him on is that, you know, all of us who are talking right now, besides a lawyer who we are about to introduce, um, myself, Matt, Evan, Ben, if he chimes in, we are not legal experts. We are going to be asking questions that may sound like the dumbest questions in the world, but realistically it's, you know, none of us have an idea, any idea when it really comes to all this law stuff. Um, that was the main reason why we are bringing in our guests right now. So uh, don't hate on us too bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we weren't. Yeah, no, we weren't dumb. We're smart. Yeah. We bring on the guy who can do yeah. it for us. But let me just give yeah. his let me read a little bit about him so you know where he's coming from. Yeah. Uh, he's the founder of DiscGolf.Law, um, Charlotte based law firm serving individuals and companies in the disc golf industry. 
The firm is committed to helping clients achieve optimal success and avoid costly mistakes. <laughs> this sounds relevant. Having worked over 21 years in private practice while also serving as fractional general counsel. I don't even understand this stuff, to be honest. But to multiple successful healthcare and technology companies, Chris is experienced in designing legal strategies to maximize business value. Now, here, uh, he's got a few degrees. One is his bachelor's degree in music. We could talk about that for a long time, too. Um, he also has a law degree from the University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. We recognize that name. Chris is a frequent author and speaker on various legal topics and is a certified arbitrator and mediator. Chris also currently serves as the executive director of the Uliberry Leadership Foundation, a nonprofit focused on providing need and merit-based college scholarships to young disc golfers. Now, I checked out the website. I didn't know a whole bunch. I actually saw some YouTube videos a while ago. So if you want to be nice... You don't have to leave the show yet, but go over to his YouTube channel, discgolf.law, and he actually brings all of this type of topic that he's doing tonight with us on his own channel, and it's fantastic. Um, but he represents players, like I said, Paul Uliberry, Sarah Hokum. I saw Dynamic Discs on there. I saw a whole bunch of others. I think we have the right guy lined up to talk to us about it, but let's go ahead and just introduce to the show Chris Clark, everybody, discgolf.law. Hey, there he is. Welcome to the what show, up? Chris. Excited to have you tonight. Did I do at all justice to who you are and what you do? That has got to be like a top five introduction of all time. Uh, yeah, so you did great. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank Good. you for writing Good. it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll, just, we'll just read whatever you send us. But no, that was, yeah. that's perfect. I'm glad yeah. we did that. Um, I was familiar at a basic level with your YouTube channel. I found it intriguing. Um, I want to say it was a few weeks ago. I, I want to say I stumbled upon it the way YouTube works. And I thought I was like, this is I enjoy this type of stuff. Um, my wife says I would have made a great lawyer. Like she believes it to this day. And I know every wife probably says that, but like, I just love arguing. And uh, so we're here tonight uh, because of the news that was announced um, with Prodigy Disc and Gannon Burr. Uh, can you give us your uh, your statement on what you saw happen over the, like the period of the last 24 or whatever 48 hours like just the basic here's what happened matt and here's and we can talk a lot more about it as we go but what happened sure um so i was at the uh disc golf pro tour industry conference out in uh, tucson i played in the pro-am on thursday um was fortunate enough to be paired up with uh, isaac robinson and the pro on the card directly behind ours was Ganon Burr. And it piqued my curiosity because I wanted to see what he was wearing. I wanted to see what he was throwing. Um, but he didn't really give us much. He was wearing uh, Ganon Burr apparel and he was throwing Prodigy Discs. Um, and and uh, chatted with him, not about anything legal, just for, you know, little, little small talk. Um, that was about it. Um, uh, Sunday morning early, um, w wasn't able to stay for the all-star uh, singles round, but um, jumped on a plane back to Charlotte. And not long after my uh, plane landed and uh, I got home, um, I got a text from my son, Matt, who also works at the firm with me, um, saying, hey, you got to check this out. And uh, within probably the next five to 10 minutes, got maybe a dozen texts from various <laughs> people. Hey, you know, th this lawsuit's been filed, Prodigy sued Gannon. So that, that's the way that I found out about it and obviously started uh, diving in from there. Okay, so suing is the right word. They, the Prodigy is suing Gannon Burr. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there's... Yeah, they've, they've, I, I can say one quick thing about that. They, they're really asking for two things. Um, the, the immediate thing that they were asking for um, was a, uh, a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction, which the, the purpose of that is really to freeze the status quo right where it is right now. And so they were essentially saying, look, we don't want him to be able to not perform the contract. In other words, we don't want him to not wear our apparel or not throw our discs. And we also don't want him to go out and sign with anyone else. Right. And hey, the the All-Star Weekend is a day away from the time that they filed this this document uh, in court. They said the All-Star thing is a day away. Um, somehow they came up with the number that they thought a million people were going to watch the stream, which is, I think, maybe one of the funniest things I found in the court oh, filings. Yeah. But, um, but uh, you know, they, so, so there was some urgency for them. And I think that's relevant to the timing of it. They said, hey, we need this um, immediately. We need you to freeze this in place, require him to comply with the contract while the underlying case starts to play uh-huh. out. So that was the second thing that really they filed. The second thing was a law was a, a, a lawsuit, a complaint, which initiates a lawsuit. Um, and that was for breach of contract. And what they're alleging is that Gannon breached the contract by attempting to terminate it. Um, so that's really what happened with the court filing. And to be clear, and main- they, they say yeah. he's attempting, and we're going to get into this deep, I'm sure, but they're saying he's attempting to terminate the contract. And on the other side, if I'm reading correctly, they're saying, no, we have we, we have terminated it. So I find this really interesting how this works. But Nick, I cut you off. So what do you got? No, I was going to say his his attempt towards terminating the contract, was that just kind of the video that he had put out or him actually emailing Prodigy? I read some of the emails today. Um, is that him emailing Prodigy saying, hey, you have 30 days to make right on all these things or I'm terminating the contract, you know, immediately, which kind of. Is it both of those play hand in hand? Yeah, I mean, you guys, I think, have a better grip on this maybe than you than you think you do. Okay. You're, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. You know, the, the email that he sent, mm-hmm. um, that was notifying Prodigy, hey, um, I'm unhappy, and I think there's some things that you're obligated to do under the contract that you haven't done. And so um, under the contract, there's something called a cure period. We see this in a lot of contracts where instead of, there's a breach of the contract and then you immediately can terminate it. Um, a lot of times we'll see in contracts a provision where it says, hey, if somebody breaches the contract, you have to notify them of the breach and you got to give them 30 days to fix it. And so that was really what that email from Gannon to Prodigy was. Um, and then uh, it was the follow-up letter from Gannon's counsel, from Gannon's attorney saying, um, hey, the 30 days went by. Yeah, you paid him the 500 bucks you owed him, but you didn't you didn't cure any of these other breaches. And for that reason, we're, we're terminating the contract effective immediately. Mm. Now, is there any chance, do we know, because some of the things that Gannon was also talking about in the contract was, yes, the $500 in bonuses that he was, you know, told about, but then other things were, you know, potentially a commemorative disc for Rookie of the Year, also an extra signature series discs, his choice of having a certain signature series disc. Now, is it possible potentially that all of these were word of mouth where they just said like, hey, you win rookie of the year, you know, let's do this because he also noted in that email that Luke Humphreys had received a disc for rookie of the year. Isaac Robinson had received a disc, but Gannon had not yet. Um, 
is there any verbal agreements that can really hold weight in any of this? Or is that just kind of, you know, hey, look, we told you that might happen or, hey, we never said that happened at all? Yeah, that's a great question because um, in most states, and this is true in the state where I am in North Carolina, it's also true in Georgia where this lawsuit was filed. Uh, the answer is no. You cannot bring evidence of those conversations that were had outside the written contract as evidence to prove the agreement between Gannon and Prodigy. So I know that Gannon has text messages and some other um, documents of communications that he's had with Prodigy where they may have promised him this or promised him that. For the purpose of proving what the agreement is between Gannon and Prodigy, those are going to be irrelevant. They're not going to be admissible. So I expect that if this does ever get to court, which incidentally, I don't think it will, but if it ever does get to court, the court is only going to look at what is within that written document, within that contract. Okay. Um, I guess I want, I want to ask you about, you know, potentially why you don't think it'll reach its full way into court. And then my other question was going to be, well, it's still on my head. Um, you know, Gannon's under 18 years of age right now. And so how does this work out also with Prodigy suing Gannon? Is it, you know, you're suing a minor technically, but also, you know, Gannon's not from the state of Georgia. Just how does all this work in that general scheme of things? Okay, so I'll take the second one first. Um, I don't think that Gannon will get anywhere by arguing that the contract is not valid because he's a minor. And the reason that I think that is because his mom did co-sign the agreement. Um, and I did take a look at Georgia law on this subject today. And um, I did confirm that um, in Georgia, if you do have a legal guardian uh, sign, um, then that is an effective and valid contract. So I, I don't, I don't, I haven't seen Gannon or uh, Gannon's counsel make that argument, and I think that's probably the reason why. So I don't think that I don't think that goes anywhere. Um, the the fact that he's not a resident of Georgia um, that's not relevant. In fact, the the fact that he's not a resident of Georgia is partly why this was filed in federal court. It's because Prodigy is essentially deemed to be domiciled in Georgia. Gannon lives in another state. And so when you have what's called diversity jurisdiction, when you have you know parties or entities from two different states, um, that, that is how jurisdiction becomes appropriate in federal court versus a state court in Georgia. Um, and so the first question you asked, why do I not think it will end up in court? It's, it's, a, yep. it's an easy prediction for me to make. It doesn't make me <laughs> you know, uh, smarter than anybody else. Um, uh, the, the latest statistic I saw from, I think it was like the American Judges Association or something like that, 97% uh, of cases that get filed um, get resolved some way other than through the court process. And I, I highly suspect that's what's going to happen here. Why? Because going to court's expensive and time consuming and distracting and it's a big headache. And you're putting your fate in the hands of a judge or a jury who, look, just like there are good lawyers and bad lawyers, there are good dentists and bad dentists, there are good plumbers and bad plumbers, there's good judges and bad judges. And you're rolling the dice that you can 
that, that you can help this judge or this jury understand everything pertaining to not just the legalities of contract law, but also really understanding disc golf. I mean, some of this stuff is nuanced. What's a signature disc? You know, I think like, you, uh, you know, try, trying to explain to a jury, well, yeah, they put out a disc with my name on it. But that's not really a signature series disc. I think it, you know, it's just a complete crapshoot. So for all those reasons, that that's why cases in general typically don't go all the way to a verdict in the courtroom. And I think that's especially true in this case. So based off of that, because that was definitely one of the questions I had too, Nick, it's great. How likely? And I, I, my take was that it would, but I wasn't a legal expert. I was like, it's going to settle outside. Like no one wants to do it. Like you said, I know the cost is really high and it can depend on the length of the case, how high it gets and all the details are relating to it. So, um, there's so many questions I have here. So let's just figure this out. You would assume that Gannon had an, uh, I guess you call it legal counsel or somebody working with him when he sent that original email and they probably looked at it. Or do you think this is Gannon on his own with it, whoever else just sending an email to Prodigy with complaints? The word, the wording part of it seemed a little legal. I, I have a story that I've invented in my head based on context clues and also uh, ba based on a conversation that I had with someone who will re remain unnamed. Um, I, I believe that Gannon had engaged counsel by the time that he wrote that initial email um, or, or at least consulted with counsel. That might be a better, that, that might be a mm -hmm. way, better way to put it. Um, look, I understand that legal fees are expensive and a lot of times people are seeking, they know they need professional advice and, you know, they're trying to, to find someone to help them, but they're also not trying to overspend if it's not necessary. <laughs> um, so, so the story that I've invented for myself that may be true or it may not, but my hunch would be that he probably consulted with an attorney. The attorney probably looked at the contract. He probably discussed, you know, sending of a 30 day notice, this cure period that I discussed earlier. Um, and so I think he probably consulted with someone and then came back and then he himself wrote the email based on a result mm. of that consultation. Mm. That, that would be my guess. I, I do, I do also know just from looking through the, court documents that um, Gannon, I believe, well, actually, I know this to be true. He initially was consulting with a contract attorney, which would be the appropriate person to consult with. Mm -hmm. um, but but then once it once, once this became a litigation matter, he then went and engaged a litigator who is his attorney of record now in this lawsuit. Hmm. Um, so, so that, that's what I know about, you know, him and his, uh, con consulting with legal counsel. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that really got released in the last 24 hours was starting with, you know, eight different pages, I think of emails sent back and forth between Gannon and prodigy. And then as Matt and I were talking before the show started, 58 pages worth potentially of court filings. Now, what what is in those court filings that, you know, for the average person who one did not have time to even look at that or even knew it was out there. Can you tell us about what is in those court findings or court filings that is good knowledge to know just for someone who's curious about the subject? Um, 
Yeah, you know, if if anybody is curious, I would I would urge them to um, read the court filings. Um, I, I downloaded them from a platform called Pacer, which is a federal court repository of filings that um, and and there there is a small fee to download from that, but it's it's very it's very nominal. Um, but but by this time, I suspect that there are probably copies of the documents posted other places. <laughs> Um, they're, they're not terribly filled with legal ease or things that would be difficult to read or understand. So, so, you know, if you're, if you're curious, curious, I would, I would recommend people go out and check that out. Um, what was in there, there was the, um, the complaint, uh, which I mentioned earlier, that is the document that initiates a lawsuit. Um, there was a motion for a, a temporary restraining order and a preliminary injunction. That was one, the, the TRO temporary restraining order and preliminary injunction. That was all one document. Um, there was what was essentially like a statement of facts from a prodigy or a prodigy executive that kind of recited like, hey, um, I'm the guy that knows the most about this at prodigy. So here's my uh, statement of facts of what happened. Um, there were some, I mean, Gannon's contract was attached as an exhibit. Um, th there were many other what what I consider to be inconsequential or, or irrelevant things filed. For for example, they were asking to um, for the court to explicitly allow them to bring uh, uh, smartphones, laptops, things like that into the courtroom to present evidence using that. And so there was an order issued for that. But um, the, the primary gist of it was kind of the two things that we talked about earlier the lawsuit documents and sort of a subset of that, the uh, injunction and restraining order documents. So you're saying Gannon's actual contract is public now with this form? It With with the financial details redacted, okay. the contract gotcha. is. And, and it, at first I thought, well, you know, yeah, that makes sense. Redact the financial information. That's fine. Um, and, but, but honestly, the, the way that it's set up, a lot of the information about his him earning commissions or royalties on the sale of certain discs and how that works and earning commissions on hitting certain targets like, um, you know, he specifically referenced uh, PGA points and um, PGA ranking, I believe. Um, those are contained, I assume, in the section of the exhibit where the financial information is. So honestly, a lot of the um, information that's going to be relevant was was blacked out. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Intern, so, intern, intern Ben, ben here. here. I have a question. <laughs> so I know there's judge, jury, and all that, but in your professional opinion, I think this is a question everyone wants to know the answer to. If this, so to speak, went to court, do you think Prodigy could win, potentially win, or would they win is what I'm asking. Do you think Prodigy has a good See, case? Ben... Ben, that's that's a question you saved last. Sorry, that's, that's like towards the it. end of the interview. Come on, chomping at the bit. Let's no, go. go ahead. What do you think? Sorry. Yeah, if if they went to court, that's a great would question, intern Ben. Who who would win? True. Well, for, first, let me stand up for Ben for a second because um, you know, will they win or when they or will they lose is the end of the story for this particular dispute, probably. Uh -huh. um, but I think there's a lot of interesting things to talk about about what happens to Prodigy and what right. happens oh, to yeah. Gannon. After we can that. go oh, there. We can go there. Yeah. So, um, but but um, but uh, look, 
I write contracts for a living. And so I um, respect, I, I feel like contracts should be respected and contracts between parties should be respected. Um, th there have been, um, there, there have been some statements made for for instance, there's a, there's a, a reference to this in the letter from, uh, Gannon's lawyer to prodigy also heard reference made to this, um, in one, one other source as well, um, saying, I think again, the way Gannon's lawyer put it is there are some oddities in this contract. Mm. Um, and, and I'm not really going to speak on that or give my opinion about the contract mm -hmm. itself, but um, I, I don't think it's a slam dunk for Prodigy by any means. Um, they've got a proof problem in terms of their damages, perhaps. In other words, um, you know, they're saying that uh, if, if Gannon terminates this contract, it could cost them $1.5 million. I'd love to see what evidence they would be able to compile because it's speculative, right? We don't know. Um, and, you know, maybe Gannon has a good season, maybe he has a bad season, maybe he gets injured, maybe he, maybe his uh, signature discs sell out or maybe nobody buys them. You know, we, we just, we just don't know that. But um, I, I think um, if I had to say I believe Prodigy could win a verdict against Gannon. I don't know that they would be able to prove the type of damages that they're mm, looking for. Mm. Uh, this, again, we're jumping all over the place, but and this may be not be your opinion to answer this, but like, who who's in this to lose more? And I know the cost of going to court, That's if we take that away, just the general, like, who loses more? Um, if, if Gannon got... Hey, fine. We'll agree on a million dollars. You know, you figure out how to pay that Gannon, <laughs> which we've got ideas on how that might happen. But like, or, or vice versa, if Gannon goes and Prodigies doesn't win or uphold getting any agreement back, do they lose? Is this purely a business-driven decision on Prodigies' part, where they're like at the end of their rope and they're like, if we don't do this, like we're we're gonna be in a really bad spot. Like again, that's that's a lot of conversation. Yeah, I, I, I don't um, I, I don't I don't know anyone really at Prodigy um, and I don't I, 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 I have said this many times in the past. I say um, legal decisions are business decisions. Yeah, um, it really just all boils down to a risk reward analysis. Um, I think Prodigy must have felt like uh, they were really under the gun with the all-star weekend and then the season about to start because if you take that away, if you take the urgency of the time frame away, mm. uh, I, I, interesting. I, I question whether it would be a good business decision for prodigy to have done this. And, and even with the, even with the time pressure, I think it's a valid question to ask whether this was a good business move for Prodigy uh, to make. Um, so, I, look, I, I think um, I, I think Prodigy stands. I'll put it this way: I think Prodigy has a lot more to lose here than Gannon. Oh, okay. Okay. What what, what do you think about Gannon uh, announcing? So. I, I don't know if I have the timeline perfectly, but long story short, it seems like the cure thing happened and 
Mm-hmm. He goes, it's terminated. Like the contract's terminated. And it wasn't it that day that he made a public post saying, I am no longer with Prodigy. What do you Correct. think about that? If legal counsel, you he was your guy. Like, hey, we just told him it's terminated, but like... Go go ahead, make this public. Go go do this right now. Like, where's your stuff? Yeah. Look, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, I think I think if um, I'm going to set aside the question of whether I would have advised a okay. client okay. in Gannon's position to do that, uh, but if I were representing Gannon on that day, and he had said to me, "Hey, do you think if I announce this on my Instagram that Prodigy will sue me?" <laughs> I would have pro- I would have said probably not. Ooh. Um, so you know, I think uh, and and look, based on the information that we've all learned in the past couple of days, um, we now know that for as much as maybe a year and a half or more, Gannon has not been happy with prodigy. And so that Instagram post may have been cooking inside of him for a really <laughs> long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, was it the smartest strategic move? Was it the star- smartest legal move? I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not going to criticize him for doing it because um, just for, for the reasons that I just gave. Yeah, interesting. So, uh, interesting stuff. Nick, what do you got? No, go ahead, Evan. I, uh, that's me trying to chime in. Oh. Uh, <laughs> they sound similar to this. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, this is all kind of speculative, but uh, going on your opinion, what do you think the end goal for Prodigy is here? Is it to try to win the damages uh, that they're saying like $1.5 million? You say it's probably not going to get to court. So it's probably some settling. Do you think they're trying to get some settle uh, settlement money or do they want Gannon to just rep them for this year? Like they really, really want that or they want the money from it or my kind of non-expert uh, thought process is uh, they're trying to hold on to him. So that way, if another manufacturer comes to sponsor him, they have to pay a buyout fee as we saw uh, speculative with Simon uh, earlier this year. So what yeah. do you think from what you've seen? I, I agree with that, that third option. Um, I, I think that that's, pro- that's probably right. I think just, um, you know, be, being Gannon being able to walk with no consequence and no compensation to Prodigy was probably just too much for Prodigy to to stand. And um, again, just a guess. I, I don't I, I don't know for sure, but that that would that would be my hunch. Um, and look, um, I. I, I have a, I've thought about this a lot, but I, I have, a, I have a, a wide range of possible ideas of things, scenarios that might've been going through their head. Um, but really, it's really all just speculation. So I, I think, I think your suggestion was probably as likely as any. Okay. I, I thought up a few scenarios of, of my brain just goes wild with all this stuff. So there's a whole bunch of things here, but one of them is what if, now we're getting really speculatory. What if Gannon committed a crime? I, I think I saw in the contract something along the lines of like, hey, we can terminate for X, Y, Z reasons, right? And one of them was like, hey, if it's shocking to the community or whatever, like if, some, if you're doing something that like people don't like and we think it's bad for our brand, we can terminate you. In, in a real way here, wouldn't they lose without damages there or would they, they might try to do the same thing. They're like, dude, you committed a crime. You're costing us money. Now we sue you for that. Like, is that a reality too? I mean, all these scenarios could be. 
Yeah, um, we call that a morals clause a lot of times in contract drafting. We'll include a morals clause so that, you know, hey, if you do something that brings some type of negative attention or does something to damage the reputation of the sponsor, the sponsor has the option of terminating the agreement. And I think that's key option. because, um, yeah, I mean, if um, if and we don't don't even have to use Gannon, I mean, just if, right. if any player mm-hmm. were to um, do something, were to uh, you know bring uh, some type of harm to their sponsor's reputation, now the sponsor has, like I said earlier, legal decisions are business decisions. They've got a risk reward to weigh about is it better for us to keep this player that has done something that harms our reputation or is it better to let them go? Like which is going to bring us more benefit and which, mm-hmm. you know, you know, weigh, weigh that against the, the harm. So, um, you know, if, if they were expecting, and I think rightly so, you know, Gannon could potentially bring a lot of uh, revenue and, and positive attention to prodigy. If, if he were to violate the morals clause, they probably would have had a tough decision to make, but to bring it back around to actually what you ask. Yeah. It's not the case that if they, you know, commit, you know, they, they get a speeding ticket or they shoplift or something, they're automatically got a free exit from the contract. Right. That you kind of saw where I was going. I'm like, he could just find another way out. But at the same yeah. time, it'd be the same type of thing as what he did here. In, a, in an interesting way, him saying I'm terminating early, it's a similar type deal. Um, so right. I, I guess how, you're saying it's all a basis of risk. I say risk reward, if that's the right wording here. But yeah. risk reward where like so i saw in the the emails and whatever i was reading that they're like well gannon it's pretty interesting you've never complained to us about the disc before right and my thought process originally was like well yeah he could have went to you but like it's kind of weird but a lot of people out here in our chat included are saying a lot of people knew that there was dissatisfaction around prodigy's mold like a lot like public opinion um and if I had to say, and I can't say this, but behind closed doors with Gannon, he might have told people that as well. I guess, like, if he's choosing not to say it to his sponsor, that's probably not a bad, I mean, that's a, probably a bad legal take, like he should have. But at the same time, him not saying it to his sponsor, him not saying it to Prodigy, does that hold any weight for Prodigy to say, ha, you never told us? But he's like, but I always thought it. You know what I mean? Like, how does that work out? Um, I don't think that that is a negative for Gannon at all. Okay. Um, for for a couple reasons. Um, one is uh, just just based on my experience over the last few years, um, I, I think it would be pretty easy for Gannon to a provide witness testimony that he had expressed his dissatisfaction to others, and, and b um, and and. I'm, I'm not saying this, this, this is not a personal feeling of mine or even simply, even something that I've experienced, right. but I think there are enough people out there that could support Gannon's statements about this being a pattern mm-hmm. that Prodigy has taken with players in the past. It's no secret. Um, you, you know, that those are, those are a couple reasons, but that's not even the main reason. Here's the main reason. Um, I, I believe, and I apologize, I don't have the contract right up in front mm-hmm. of me, but I believe it has a clause that many, probably most commercial contracts have that says, hey, if, if we allow you 
to breach this contract for a period of time and we don't say anything, that doesn't take away our ability mm. to come back later and to allege breach or call you on a breach. So, so you know, if if um, you know, Matt, if you and I made an agreement that um, you know I'm going to mow your yard, uh, you know, once a week, and you're going to pay me twenty five dollars, that's fine. I'll do it. Okay. So, um, so, 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 if if I go like three weeks in a row and don't mow the yard. And then on the fourth week, you call me up. You're like, Hey man, you haven't mowed my yard for four weeks. What's going on? I can't then say, well, sorry, Matt, you're out of luck because you didn't call me in week one. You didn't call me in week two. You didn't call me in week three. Mm. This clause that's in the contract covers that. Yeah. And I don't care if you miss a few weeks. That's fine with me. I mean, we can we can still make it work. But but yeah, no, I get that, and that's interesting. Um, and so, oh man, I I I, I, I got a casual one. Go ahead. And this is kind of like completely flipping the script. But a lot of the chat's been asking about it. One of the things that Prodigy had mentioned in their emails was about a meme that Gannon's <laughs> face was on over a tombstone. PDGA Rodman made it. Talk to us about what, if any, credibility does that bring into the court case i mean gannon has no you know no way of doing that unless he's pdga rodman which i don't think he is but talk to us just briefly about that a lot of people have been asking about it so i i have a guess as to why they included that um and you know had it been me that was drafting that complaint and filing that lawsuit would i have included that probably not yeah. but let's let's give prodigy the benefit of the doubt here because i think i can guess what purpose perhaps that served and the purpose that it served i think is look this player of ours gannon has gone out and he has claimed he's left prodigy and he's terminated his contract and look at all the damage that it's causing mm -hmm. our brand his this this illegal breach by attempting to terminate the contract is now you know, it, it's it's casting our brand in a bad light and now it's going to cost us sales and therefore it's costing us dollars and therefore we should be entitled to compensation from his actions. That would be my guess. Okay. Yeah, I had a similar question, Nick. It's It was interesting to say the least. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew it was going to get brought up I'm eventually. Like, so. It's from my perspective and I could go both ways with this, but I'm like, people look at it and I'm like, why would you why you're upset about a meme for your brand like it just it, it rubbed me that way it's like what um so what do you think and i'm not into I, I like legal stuff but i don't know i'm not trained in it why did this information get released is it always public when someone files this stuff and do you think and i didn't ask ulti world or charlie eisenhood this but like do you think some quote source just provided it to them and said hey check this out what we found or or is it like is it a public thing, like immediately, once someone does this? The the legal documents, you mean? Yeah, sure. I mean, I saw the email. I saw yeah. everything. Yeah, legal documents. As soon as they file, it's, yeah. it's public. Yeah, so, I mean, the way that we were all able to see uh, Gannon's redacted contract, the uh, email message, the um, letters back and forth between counsel, they were all exhibits in the lawsuit. And so when documents are filed in a lawsuit – they are typically publicly available. Okay. Um, the, the, the federal court system 
has this platform I mentioned earlier, Pacer, which is pretty good at providing copies of lawsuit documents that are filed. Now, I mean, if you guys have watched the news or mm -hmm. watched movies or TV or whatever, you probably know that you can also sometimes ask to file documents under seal. And so uh, in certain cases, maybe, it, you know, you may have noticed they didn't even use Gannon's name mm -hmm. in any of these filings because he was a minor. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes things involving a minor or sometimes things involving national security or like there's a wide range of reasons that you can ask documents to be protected under seal. So Chris, but are we just, are we vast majority they're public? Are we just assuming that this is about Gannon Burthen? Are we, are we, uh, are we taking everyone at their word that yeah. that's really his mom's signature on the contract? <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking through this now. I mean, Ulti World says it's Gannon, but I, maybe we got the wrong guy and this is actually KJ. No, I don't know. I'm just saying like, obviously <laughs> take their word, but, um, so there's still more that we've missed. And maybe I heard this early on and us talking to you, but I forgot it already. Let's hit it again. Do you think any of Gannon's I'll say complaints hold water? Like, from what you read, I mean, we saw the the $500 issue, which they said, hey, we fixed that. You saw like, hey, I should have got rookie of the year, player of the year disc. I should have got, you know, these things like do any of them, the, the, the quality of the disc, like do any of those in your opinion hold like, hey, the contract's terminated? Did it strike you? I, I that try way? to answer. Yeah, yeah. No, I've, I've tried to answer everything you've asked in a really direct way. And this one, I, I feel like I'm going to have to maybe bob and weave a little bit. Um, the, the, the reason that it's difficult to say is because of something that I alluded to earlier, which is I believe a lot of the information about the signature discs and about the bonuses and things like that is in a section of the contract that's redacted, that's blacked out. Mm -hmm. Um, and and so, you know, okay, it's 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 tough for me to say how likely that his complaints would be successful. I know I know Prodigy's answer. Yeah. Prodigy said, um, "Look, none of the stuff that you raised is a material breach of the contract, and therefore you don't have a right to terminate." So there, there's at least one side in this that believes that no, believes the well, answer is no. I can't say without seeing that redacted portion of the contract. Okay, interesting. And I will say Gannon's. What's the right word? Counsel? Gannon's counsel has responded and said that, well, no, you haven't addressed any of the our issues in that cure period. So, like, they're saying, like, these are issues. So that's my point is both sides, and that's how you'd expect it to be. Um, but I Well, yeah, and I will, let me say one other thing on that point real quick before I forget it. Um, and, and this is actually something I haven't seen people focus on too much. People have talked about the definition of material breach in the contract. Mm -hmm. And they've said, for example, non-payment is a material breach. And probably saying, well, yeah, look, our bad. We didn't pay him this bonus that he was due. But you notified us. And during the cure period, we cured it. We paid him. And so that can't be your grounds for termination because that's been, that's been resolved. Well, that definition of material breach, it, it says a material breach is something some along the lines of including without limitation, which is the same way of saying including, but not limited to. Mm -hmm. So the things that are listed there in the contract that would qualify as a material breach are not intended to be an exhaustive list mm. of things mm -hmm. that are a material breach. And so 
I think that's something that, like I said, if this go if this goes very far, that'll probably be a point that gets fought about among the parties. What really is a material breach? And I saw a wording that says the contract, or I don't know where I saw, again, I saw, I've been reading a lot, the contract didn't have a metric, quote, to determine whether a cure was effective or not. So then it's like, right. how do we even determine if it was an effective cure? Because then you see, um, hey, we provided Gannon with his uh, license deal discs or whatever, you know, the, um, I'm, I'm having a brain freeze, but the, the payments from his disc sales, we provided that to him. And then Gannon's going, yeah, but it also included a Luke Humphrey's discs in there. So it's not even correct in the first place. Well, that was just yeah. a clerical error. And they're, I mean, I'm seeing this back and forth and, and again, is there a metric to even determine whether a cure was effective or not? That's again, if it ever made it to court, that would have to be a discussion, but you're saying it probably won't. They're just going to say, scrap it all. We just really want to make some money out of this before you go. Cause we think we're going to lose something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's right. And, and look, I, I, I don't know who wrote this contract. Um, but with the benefit of hindsight, yeah. I think any lawyer would probably go back and write some things in the contract differently. But that's the challenge, writing these contracts. Um, you know, I, I, I started early in my career in the music industry, and it was not unusual for us, uh, for, for the record label where I worked, to have recording agreements that were 100 pages long or more. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I even had some conversations with some people at the uh, Pro Tour Industry Conference where, um, they had gotten some complaints from people saying, gosh, you know, you sending me an eight page contract, 10 page contract. Why does it have to be so long? I think we're starting to enter slowly yes, but surely yes. the era where the length and the perhaps complexity of disc golf related contracts is going to catch up with a lot of other sports and a lot of other industries. Yeah. And so, man, I see Pat McMahon in the chat, by the way, always shout out to Pat. Love the dude. Um, He's, he's still trying to hit on the same topic I was. It was like, hey, it's made public in court, like when it gets filed. But how did it get to Ulti World? I, I might be trying to dig up some drama here, but there was somebody on one side or the other, you have to believe, unless people are just perusing the court cases for disc golf stuff. And uh, that was like, hey, this benefits us to go public. So here you go, Charlie. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it just randomly happened. I think... Yeah, I don't. Um, I I'm of a different mind than you guys. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I I think it's entirely plausible. That, so the so the lawsuit was filed. You know, I believe 16th, last Wednesday or okay. So 14th, the sixteenth would have been maybe. Thursday. I don't know. I think it was fifteenth or sixteenth. Okay. But it, it, anyway, um, so I I have to assume that Gannon probably knew that he had been sued right. um, either either by the time he got to Tucson or shortly after he got to Tucson. And all he would have to do is mention it to one or two people, and that is going to, word of mouth, just spread like wildfire. And then once people realize that the suit has been filed, it's very easy to go online and find the docs. So True. It, I think it's more likely okay. something like that happened. So yeah, he might have okay. opened his mouth on it, which wouldn't be out of normal to do that. Hey, I've just been sued. You're right. Somebody says something yeah. after that. I don't, I don't underestimate at all Charlie Eisenhood's informant network, but yeah, uh, exactly. I think this time there's probably a, a nicer uh, explanation. He, he knew or allegedly knew the Simon deal and Simon never announced it and allegedly Discmania never did or, or so MVP. So he must have some network. Um, 
which it makes sense that he does. Uh, people are saying, like, well, Simon Lazat, he, in our interview with him, he talked about he had legal counsel looking over his contract. That was a massive contract. So you're right. I think we're starting to enter that that stage. Um, I'm sure it, now, it's helpful to someone in your mindset. Do you think other manufacturers are watching? Like, this is a case that other manufacturers want to know what happens. I hope all the manufacturers and all the players, and not just manufacturers, like every sponsor right. of any type, I hope they're watching. I hope the players are watching. Um, you know, the, the thing that I love, and I, I suspect all of you guys is the same thing, and probably everybody listening, the thing that I love about our sport is the community. And this is a, a group of amazing people that have a history of trusting each other right. and doing handshake deals. And um, there's nothing at all wrong with that. I don't take any issue with that at, at all, except to the extent that we're just entering into a phase of our sport where the dollars are significant. And it is just better for everybody if um, you know we have contracts now that are thorough and accurate and properly drafted. It just avoids, I mean, you read this in my bio, but this is something I believe as deeply as I possibly can is helping people avoid costly mistakes. And so, um, you know, a well-drafted contract goes a long way to avoiding a six figure or seven figure legal expense. Um, if there's a breach. Now, one of the main reasons that we're seeing right now is this contract is being terminated prematurely with what the contract was supposed to be with Gannon and Prodigy. Now, we've seen this with players in the past. I mean, Ricky with Innova Tom, um, terminated his contract early. Chris Dickerson with Prodigy. I mean, there are multiple players out there, Haley King with Discraft, who terminated their contract early. And we're finally seeing a manufacturer step out and let's, you know, sue the player. Do you feel... Do you feel like we're going to see that more or are players going to be a little bit more obligated to stick to their contracts? Or one of the biggest things that I can only think of is adding a renegotiation clause. I mean, if you win a major or if you win X amount of Elite Series events, that should bring up some sort of renegotiation with your current contract. I mean, how does this go for players in the future who are getting into the sport? They're making a great name for themselves like the Isaac Robinsons. I mean, Simon just renegotiated a huge contract. Um, he left Discmania early from his contract. I mean, where does this uh, kind of push forward into the future? So I'll, I'll start my answer by looping back to a question that was asked before, something re along the lines of, you know, what's, what's Prodigy's end game here or something like that. Um, I, I, I do think perhaps one objective of Prodigy filing this lawsuit is just kind of showing the world, hey, um, we're not going to just let our players walk. Mm -hmm. um, we sign contracts for a reason. And when we sign a contract, we expect to fulfill our side. We expect you to fulfill your side. Um, I, Simon's situation is a great example. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, Discmania didn't sue Simon. Why? Simon went to Discmania and had, mm -hmm. I think, a lot of really long, intense, meaningful conversations about that situation. Um, and I expect that in the future, you know, might, might we see more lawsuits? Yeah, possibly. In, in fact, I think there's a whole other 
area of disc golf where we are highly likely to see lawsuits, but we don't have to talk about that now. No, we um, want to talk about that after. This <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. Um, but, but I, I think um, when you're talking about like a mandatory renegotiation uh, provision or something like that, mm -hmm. there's sort of an implied mandatory renegotiation in any contract. Here's what I mean by that. If, if, if I'm a player and I'm in a contract with a sponsor that's worth, I'm just going to make this number up out of thin air. Let's say it's worth $20,000 a year to me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I suddenly become very successful, very popular. Um, but I'm still stuck in this $20,000 a year contract. Well, a, another sponsor, another manufacturer might come along and offer me 10 to 20 times that. There doesn't need to be a renegotiation clause in the contract. My sponsor is going to be dying to renegotiate with me because my sponsor knows I can breach their contract. I can just walk away and throw all my discs and hoodies and everything in the fire and go, go to a new sponsor. And all it's going to cost me is whatever the contract value of that sponsorship deal was, that 20K a year sponsorship. And so, you know, a lot of times people think contract breach, they, they think that it's a, a negative thing or a bad, like sort of a, a, a value laden thing, just like anything else. It's a business decision. Breaching a contract can be a valid business decision. I'll walk away from my 20 K a year contract for a 200 K a year contract in a second. And I'm not worried about whatever consequence there's going to be for breaching it because the dollars just make better sense for me to go to the sign the new contract and then deal with whatever the consequences are with my old sponsor the old sponsor doesn't want that the old sponsor is going to say hey you're obviously worth a lot more than we're paying you let's talk yeah, yeah. um we do we're trying to line up a few live phone calls people feel like there's some questions that we're probably missing so we're going to do that right now once we have them lined up intern ben's gonna let us know um i don't i want to know i want to know what other areas he thinks that there are potentially going to be more lawsuits in <laughs> if if you're if you can talk about that no sure i i i'm happy to talk about it and and um mm -hmm. it's in it's uh i think there's going to be a trademark infringement lawsuit Ooh. um i think there's gonna okay. be a big trademark infringement lawsuit um and the, why do i think that um there's been very little trademark protection done in our industry. And there are numerous examples that I can think of off the top of my head where consumers could potentially be confused by similar brands, whether it's a disc name, a company name, something like that. And, and so I just think, again, same reason as I think this with the contracts, the dollars are getting big enough now, may, maybe, you know, five or 10 years ago, it didn't matter if two discs had a similar name or a confusingly similar name. Now we're selling enough product and the dollars are, are meaningful enough that I think somebody is going to decide that they're going to be the ones that are going to protect their valuable intellectual property and they're going to do it by protecting their brand. And part of that is just enforcing it against others who are creating confusingly similar, similarly named and products or services. I will give your YouTube channel a shout out. I watched that one today. You do talk about this. It's worth checking out Chris's YouTube channel, discgolf.law. 
He talks about all this kind of stuff. We're happy to have him on the Nick and Matt show. We lined up a live call here with a question. Um, we all set, intern Ben? All set. All right, if you can hear us on the call, go ahead and ask your question. We'll probably drop you after you answer the question. What's up? So recently I noticed that on one of Gannon's latest posts, he had tagged or hashtagged Prodigy and actually started naming disc by names again. Do you think that was at request of his legal counsel to kind of save face? Thank you for your call. That is a great, great, that is a great question. I wish I had a good answer for you. I think it's entirely possible. I think that's a, a smart observation on your part. Um, not having seen the post or being familiar with it, I, I can't say for sure, but it certainly is possible. Interesting. Yeah, that was a great question. Thanks for the call in on that. So um, do, you, do you have another question or is I, I got one if you don't? No, I got one here. And I was, it's off okay, of what you it. just talked about, Chris, with yep. um, the, the idea of other brands or trademarks or things of that nature getting confused. I, I again, I don't want to say hearsay, but there's some things that I have heard that I would consider hearsay. Some might say rumors. Some might say, hey, it's real where there's smoke, there's fire. But last year, I think we had heard, or I think it was about last year, like there was rumblings of Prodigy maybe being sued by a disc golf bag company because their bag was so, quote, identical. Um, so, I mean, I'm not saying we have to elaborate on that, but like we are hearing these things, as you're saying, that are starting to come around. Um, one other thing that I thought was interesting, and this may be full hearsay as well, but we hear things that, and I will leave the names nameless right now, but that other players that have left Prodigy over the recent past, that there have been other legal issues. And, and if that's the case, there's no, I'm assuming there's no public documentation of it, which means that it was, I'll, I'll use the word threatened, if that's the right wording here, where we had to decide how we want to handle this, the risk reward, as you talked about, and maybe it never made it to court. Um, this one is unique because it did, but I'm thinking of names that ended early um, with Prodigy. I think it, uh, Maybe it's just Chris Dickerson um, and Gannon Burr now, but but there's a lot of players leaving Prodigy. Matty O, Katrina Allen, Gavin Babcock, Austin Hannum. The list goes on and on. Paige Pierce from a long time ago. Um, Paige Pierce. Thomas leaving, Gilbert. Yeah, there you go. Thomas Gilbert. Paige Pierce mm -hmm. leaving uh, Diamond Dynamic Disc early. That was a big deal, but that never made it to court. So, I think what your business offer is is for players and people involved in the disc golf world, especially to reach out to you to make sure their, their things are in order. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. And look, there's lots of smart lawyers out there, lots of great law firms. Um, you know, we love working in this sport. Um, uh, you know, my, uh, I want to give one more, you, you were kind enough to give our YouTube channel a shout out. Yes. So I appreciate that. Do, do I need to like. shout out my son, Matt, who, you know, I, I, I talk into a I talk into a phone for 20 minutes and then he goes and makes it something that is worth watching. So, um, <laughs> awesome. you know, you want to give credit where credit is due there. Um, but but yeah, I mean, we we would obviously welcome the opportunity to talk to um, anybody who thinks that we might be a good fit to help them. Um, but but I'm I'm sincere when I say this. Um, more more than I want to drive business to our law firm. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think more importantly, I I want to help the culture of our sport grow into a place where um, you know legal rights and legal documents are taken seriously the way they are in other sports and in other industries. Um, and, and I think we're, we're definitely seeing that, but we still have a, a long way to go. Um, I, at the, I I was 
literally sitting at a, a table at the industry conference last week. Um, and, and a guy looked right at me and he said, why do we need disc golf lawyers? Um, and I, I wish uh, I could find that guy yeah. and talk to him today <laughs> and say, here's here's an example. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. And a lot of it comes with money, right? Or at least some form of sure. compensation. And that's where this starts. We're starting to see a lot of that. Nick, you said you had something. Yeah. I mean, if I'm Gannon Burr right now, what am I doing besides honestly just promoting Prodigy at the moment? Am I talking to anyone about this? Am I like what can Gannon do currently to help make sure case. that he doesn't get, yeah, to help his case or to, to really not hurt his case, I think mostly. Um, I, I, I don't have any evidence that Gannon has um, spoken to other sponsors, but I, I, I bet if we took a survey of everybody that can hear my voice Let's right do now, it. Intern Ben's it's gonna likely, put it in the chat. he's going to put it in the chat, write this down. Yeah. Who, who thinks Gannon has talked to another sponsor? Um, I think it's pretty likely, frankly. So All right, we're putting it um, in a poll. Look, oh, okay, oh, very good, very good. So, 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 if um, so, we have to keep in mind Gannon's, and this is not a great term to use in this context, but it's what we do as lawyers. What's Gannon's theory of the case? What is his theory of this case? And his theory is he has terminated his contract with Prodigy, right? And so, um, if if I'm if I'm Gannon or Gannon's counsel and 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 I want him to conduct himself in a certain way, I, I would simply say uh, c conduct yourself in alignment with what your theory of the case is. Now, is that risky? Yes. And uh, I think on the spectrum of just general people in the world, I am pretty risk tolerant. I think on the spectrum of lawyers, I'm way on the risk tolerant end. So sometimes I might myself or for my clients um, lean a little bit more toward doing something risky than if he had uh, other counsel. And I'm not saying one approach is right and one approach is wrong, but that's, that's just me. I would just tell him, um, you know, look, our, our, our theory of this case is that the contract is terminated, behave accordingly. Mm. So okay. the poll came back. Yes. 95%, 4%. I don't know where the other percent is, but 4% no. And those might've been fat fingered. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, I did have a theory before this came out and I'm not saying I'm smart cause it's probably a bad take, but I said, there's a possibility that he left prodigy without anything lined up because of frustrations. And apparently there were frustrations but it turned into something bigger. And and now whatever conversations he's having, you think those, and I'm making this up, but those sponsors are now sitting back going, Hey, let's just sit tight for a minute. Let's see what happens. Cause this could get really expensive real quick. Well, I, and I, and I think this is where the timing uh, is, is so important and so relevant because if he had gone and had other conversations with other sponsors and there wasn't this time pressure, he may have been able to line up an arrangement where he did get bought out at whatever number is satisfactory to Prodigy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just, I just think you know, with the start of the season coming, Prodigy felt like they had they had no other choice. Yeah, um, I've said this before, and I want to beat around the bush a little bit because we sometimes know things, that, and I'm sure you do too. In your case, is a confidential, <laughs> but the fact is, you're legally bound. I'm not quite legally bound unless I say something really def def uh, def What is the right word? Defamatory. Sure. Defamatory. defamatory. Don't do that. I won't do that. <laughs> but I will say that in my understanding of contracts, that there are often 
players have not even signed a contract yet with a new sponsor when they've already announced that they're leaving the other sponsor. This happens. Um, and it's probably just a literal scheduling thing, but it's an agreement verbally. Yes, we're obviously, we're going to get to signing the contract, but this happens where contracts aren't signed. Uh, so my point is Gannon probably is in a limbo period. Some are saying that, oh, he's already signed. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't think he would have signed at this point. I think this all had to unfold the way it is. Um, whether or not he can he may sign have, with somebody. He may have commit. Yeah. yeah, he may have made a verbal commitment or something like right. that. Um, but the, the other thing, you know, not all players have the luxury of being Gannon Burr. I mean, I don't think Gannon is too worried about, you know, right. oh my gosh, will I be able to find somebody to sponsor me? Mm -hmm. um, so, so to your point, um, somebody like Gannon, it may be a little easier to exit a sponsor without having something else lined up because he knows all he's got to do is make a few calls and he'll have a few offers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, top, yeah. Top, top five, top eight player in the country or in the world right now, technically. I mean, yeah, every, most companies are going to be lining up to say, Hey, Gannon, when can we have you sign this contract? So go ahead, Matt. What now? Oh man, this is way too deep. What if Gannon went to a different company, signed a contract with them, but what that company didn't know is that he was still signed with Prodigy, right? How does that work? Like later on, they're like, wait a minute, like we all signed this, but you're not even out of your other contract. That I mean, that's probably crazy, but I guess that could have been a scenario. So a, a well-drafted contract will usually have a section okay. of the contract called representations and warranties and a very common representation that's made in these types of contracts is you are representing that by signing this contract, it is not going to conflict with or interfere with any other contract you've signed. Mm, okay. And that is really relevant in our sport. If you think about it, yeah. because, um, you know, if, if you are sponsored by a disc manufacturer, is it a conflict for you to then go get, sponsored by a bag manufacturer. Well, that depends. Does your disc manufacturer sponsor make bags? Um, some do and some don't. So, so that, that would, that would be the answer. I would, I would okay. hope and expect that they would include a clause like that to avoid that scenario. One more thought here, because we did have other parents of junior disc golfers comment, shout out to, uh, I'll leave that anonymous right now, but other junior disc golfers. Um, I am a parent of junior disc golfers. And I do have signed contracts for my junior uh, disc golfers, my kids, playing for Innova Champion Discs. Um, now, I would like to think that the contract being one page and more or less an agreement of like, hey, you're just going to basically do some nice things for us, um, that I feel comfortable signing. But as you start to get at a higher level, as we've said, um, and you get really good and you're recognized, we saw a junior player, Wyatt Mahoney. Now this is like the third or fourth time in a month we've shouted him out. Um, mm -hmm. Youngest ever. Bananas. To, yeah. So, I mean, someone in his position, what would you say to parents of junior disc golfers? How important is a contract in their scenario? Like, should the parents just not put their name on it so there's no risk there? Like, can kids be held liable? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, or, like, should they contact you? So, um, since, since we're all, uh, it's, it's just us. Yes. We're just having fun. good friends little speaking now. I'll, 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 I'll get, I'll give a little transparency here. Um, 
I, I, I thought and hoped when I first started discgolf.law that um, within a you know, relatively short amount of time, I would have all the manufacturers and all the top pros lined up at my door, you know, dying to hire me to be their lawyer. Um, and, and so it, it, it hasn't been quite as easy as that. But what has really surprised me that I did not expect is, yes, we are hearing from a lot of parents of young disc golfers that want to make sure that their child's perhaps future career um, is protected and set up the right way from the beginning. And, and similarly, uh, along those same lines, there is a really exciting amount of entrepreneurial activity in our sport right now. Tons of people starting businesses, solving problems in ways that, uh, you know, other companies haven't. And um, so, so right now those, those startups are definitely finding their way to us. And uh, yeah, to your point, a lot of parents are, are doing the same. Okay. Before we get close to wrapping up this portion of the interview, which we talked about, we'll probably keep you on for a game or two if, at your, if you'd like to, of course. Um, Love it. But before we do that, we've got a great live audience here right now. I mean, this, this is up there in our top 10 for sure. People are really interested here. I just want to hold this up on screen real quick. <laughs> One chip challenge we have no affiliation with, no contracts, no agreements with Paki, hottest chip, one chip challenge. Ben just said, apparently in the live chat, yes. and now look at it. Yes. Go on screen. You're nervous. I'm sweating. He said if there's 450 likes on this video, literally, just smash it right now, everybody. Everybody at once. If it gets 450 likes right now. On the live stream. Which, on the live stream. On the live stream. And yeah. we actually have 1,100 concurrent live right now. So it's easy to do. You hit that 450 likes right now. I'll eat it right We now. see it. He's going to eat it. I'm handing it over to him. Okay. Thank you. Back to the previously right. scheduled interview. It's going to be hot. I'm going to puke. <laughs> I can't believe that. Okay. So... I think we've touched on almost every single portion of this. That's a joke. I mean, we could go on and on. We could read every page <laughs> and bore people for days. But I I feel like, is there anything that we're missing? The chat keeps asking a lot of things here. Uh, I'll just say people who came in late, go back and listen early. We covered a lot of this. Um, I mean, can I say, and I don't know what your perspective is as a, as a legal person uh, here, but I kind of feel bad that this has happened. And I'm sure you do with most contract cases. Like, I feel like, ah, man, you start reading through the court filings and you're like, yes, we're disc golfers. And you see, I'm a disc, they say I'm a disc golfer of however many years I've played at a high level. I know Gannon and this and that. Like people are, it's kind of feels like disc, it's like a civil war almost this feeling. It's like, it's the feeling of like, we're disc golfers. And I, I know that money does this, and I'm not sure. We have Gannon on record saying money's not the most important thing to him. And I would like to say, from what we have seen to this point, that hasn't been his complaint. Yes, he talked about I've lost out on the ability to get compensation. Um, but it wasn't always I deserve to be paid more salary or things of that nature. Um, I think it's just unfortunate. I don't know what else to say. Do you have a similar feeling? Um, yeah, and I, th I think Gannon is authentic when he said that. Um, we know from the court documents that he was offered, you know, Prodigy made an offer right. four times his current compensation level. So, yeah, I think if he was purely financially driven, um, you know, this probably would be playing out differently. So I we'll think that's right. Um, look, I, I would, I would say, um, 
it, it's 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 funny because I almost responded to this earlier when you when you said this, Matt. Okay. That, uh, uh, about your 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 mom uh, saying that you should have been a lawyer because you're good at arguing. I probably um, I actually at hate arguing. <laughs> I, 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 well, first, first thing I'll say is it's never too late. So, you know, come on in the water's warm, but, um, but, uh, I, I actually hate arguing. I I'm, I'm conflict averse. Um, okay. and, and so I, uh, I, I much prefer working on business transactions where, you know, everybody wins. Um, you know, a player signs a deal with a sponsor, the sponsor sells more discs, the player makes more money, you know, everybody's happy that, you know, that that's my kind of, of deal right there. But I think, again, this, this is all part of our industry growing up. And, you know, as you know, probably the oldest person involved in this stream right now, um, I can, I can say, um, we, we need to not be offended if another party says, yes, I'd like to work with you, but we need to negotiate some of these terms. And, you know, that's one thing that good lawyers do is they negotiate, they, they get deals done. And so, um, I, I, I share your sentiment when one party sues another, because I think that's really unfortunate and messy and, it sounds weird to say as a lawyer, but mm -hmm. oftentimes the lawyers are the only ones that win in that scenario. Um, but, uh, but, but, you know, I think if a sponsor presents a contract to a player, they should expect the player to retain counsel and to come back to them and negotiate so that the agreement that they arrive at is not the boilerplate document that they give all their players, but it is something that is uniquely tailored for that player and that sponsor's unique situation. That shouldn't be a bad or even confrontational or adversarial thing. That's just part of how deals get done. Okay, mm -hmm. I, I like that. And I also wanna say, I like to bring takes and hot ones and, and uh... I'm about to uh, eat but a hot one. Ben's about to eat a hot one. <laughs> We're really close. But um, it's hard for me to say this because I, I feel for Gannon, but I also feel like you said, like it shouldn't necessarily be a bad thing that they're like, this is where we need to go to get our deal done. Like you hear suing and you think automatically negative, right? It's ne It feels negative for one party or the other, but from an outside perspective, it's not necessarily negative. It's how you get the deal done. Is that kind of what I hear you saying? Yeah, okay. it, it is. And, and, if I, and I, I'm, I'm actually dying to see um, what's going to happen to Ben here in a second. But <laughs> we're, um, at, we're at 400 I, I, likes I, right I, now. We need 50 more. It's not going to be hard 50 to more do. People. Just Come everyone on. like it. Come on, people. Just hit that like button. Yeah. Um, there, you know, one, one, I guess this could potentially be a hot take, but um, I think this would be an ideal time. Well, let me, let me preface it by saying if you go back and watch some of our uh, videos on our YouTube channel, I've I've talked multiple times about how I am. I predict that disc golf is entering a phase of consolidation. And I think we've mm. started to see that already. In other words, where companies are merging, larger companies are acquiring smaller companies, things like that. Um, I think now would be an ideal time for somebody to buy Prodigy. Oh, um, snap. I think that Hot take wow. in the fire. No. I, I, I think, I, I think that, I think I think that might be their I think that might be their best hope at this point. Wow. Um, and, and so if if you're a um, 
if if you're a a large manufacturer or if you're a small manufacturer with lots of money hit me up and let's do a deal and let's acquire prodigy <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow um well, I got a question kind of going back to we were talking about Gannon's contract being in the court filings and how it's redacted from it. Um, one of the things that I've talked about over the last year or so, um, since co some contracts have become public, what do you think one of the main reasons and you've worked with players in doing their contracts with their disc manufacturers and other companies that they're sponsored by? What is one of the main reasons that a lot of players and a lot of manufacturers are trying to keep contracts under wrap, not making it public about what a specific player is making per year? Is it you know, do we feel like players are getting lowballed right now? Where where are we at with it in your eyes? I think some players are getting lowballed, and I think that's likely why. But but I think it's also entirely possible it works the other way around. Um, it, I, I think it's much more common that a manufacturer or a sponsor would lowball a player than a player somehow be able to extract more than their value from a sponsor. But um, you know, uh, I, and I think to answer the question that you asked, I think the reason that both players and manufacturers or, or just sponsors in general might want to keep it, keep it quiet is if, if a manufacturer has to pay $10 to get a particular player, and then there is a similarly situated player right? Similar potential, similar experience, similar upside, all these kind of things, but they could get that player for $8. They don't want to have to pay the 10. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so for that reason, I think they prefer to keep their compensation numbers low. Um, I, I also think it could potentially be awkward if the $8 player were to find out that their teammate is getting $10, you know, that, that might be embarrassing for them or that might create bad feelings for them with their sponsor yeah. or something like that. So right now, I think the general attitude seems to be everybody wants to keep it confidential. Yeah. So that's what I was curious of, of, of players finding out what another player makes. Like, let's say it's two players from Discraft or, you know, and this was going to be a follow-up question is now that you've worked with disc golfers on their contracts, how did you figure out how to value a player? in the sport of disc golf. Like we have so many different ways that players are kind of presumed how, how great and how much they're worth, I should say. I mean, you have world titles or you have social media presence, you have content creation, all these different ways. Like how did you personally figure out how to value a player when going to manufacturers and other sponsors to say, hey, this is the number that I want to get for this player? I can only think of maybe one or two instances where the dollars in the contract were that, that, that I even really played a meaningful role in that. Okay. Um, I think, I think typically um, the numbers get at least talked about um, really between the player and the sponsor. Um, and sometimes the sponsor will just say, look, this is what we got. This is what yeah. we pay. Okay. Um, and then you look for other creative ways to see how you can sweeten the deal. If they're going to say, you know, this is our sponsorship amount and that's it, you know, then you have to think of other creative ways to try to, you know, make the deal better for, for the player. Um, so, so yeah, the, the, the numbers part of it is not my primary role in those transactions. Gotcha. Okay. The good news is 
We've reached the number. Four, yes. Over 450 <laughs> likes during the live show. Good job, everybody. And, and a substantial yes. live concurrent audience. The bad news is Ben's going to have problems later or in a few minutes. We're gonna, so what we're going to do, you can go to four up right now. So we're going to have uh, a, a wind down period from the interview. There, oh, There's intern. Oh, there it is. Okay. So what I want to do in this minute is talk about the players meeting. Now we've talked about that before. It's uh, an awesome, and I recommend this to everybody, Chris, anybody here, you don't have to, but it's, it's free. You can pay if you want to at this point, which sounds funny, but like, if you want to support it, cause it's that awesome, the players meeting.com. And it is information that if you don't have time to listen to the Nick and Matt show for two hours, which not everybody does, you can mm-hmm. check out this players meeting. It's a weekly newsletter, which actually Nick, Give me the update. I think he said he's going to two times a week. So starting right after Vegas, he's jumping up to two times a week. And so like Matt was just talking about, if you don't have time to listen to long podcasts, but you still kind of want to be in the know of what's going on in the disc golf world, check out the latest uh, newsletter. And I'm sure anything talking about Gannon is on there. And so check them out. Um, He's bumping it up to two times a week. Like we were just talking about after Vegas and check it out at theplayersmeeting.com. So that's where you go, put in your email. That's how you subscribe to it. And then it gets sent directly to your emails, usually about three to five minutes of reading. And it literally covers all kind of the hot topics in the sport of disc golf right now. And So check them out at theplayersmeeting.com. Yeah, and if I have this note correctly, he says he recently switched email platforms. So if you Google the players meeting, instead of putting in theplayersmeeting.com, right now it takes him to the old site. But the domain, if you punch in theplayersmeeting.com, it will automatically redirect to the new one. It's fantastic. I already said this. I try to cheat on the Nick and Matt show by reading that before the show goes live because I'm like, I need some information. I don't have time either. But no, in all seriousness, great, great platform. Thank you to the players meeting for your support of the Nick and Matt show, as well as our excitement for what you're doing there. Keep it up. Really awesome. Okay, Chris, I hope you don't mind sticking around as we we get him going on the chip here. And then we're going to bring it into the game with Evan, Evan's ABCs, which is similar to a stat or fiction, but we get multiple choice. So you cool sticking around for this? Okay. I'd be honored. Thank you. Uh, honored, so, honored to watch intern Ben. So <laughs> let's go. Let's go on you full screen here. Let's let's do it. Okay. Let's just okay. Full screen. So okay. if you were listening post, you're driving around, you're at work. You're gonna have to go to about the time stamp of one hour and thirty seven minutes before Ben ends his life eating the chip. Apparently, this is really hot, Ben. Yeah, I've done this it. This is once. the blue I've version. Had a, I've had a corner of it in uh, a corner. Three of my friends puked and. Uh, I did not feel well. So. Okay, so is, have you had this blue version? No. This apparently paints your tongue blue. So show us your tongue before. Okay, good. Now eat the chip. Why? Why? I don't know. Just eat it. Dude, I, every single week you try to do this. I know. No, I mean, this was a special episode. No one was expecting a thousand concurrent views. Okay, here's the chip. I'm going to... Wow. Ooh, that just looks wrong. I'm yeah. get that looks like charcoal. Yes, I'm already sweating. It does. Do I have to eat the whole thing? Hold on. I think that's what the chat no. wants to see. I'm going to video this from over here, too. Uh, Matt, you got to text Stephanie. Bring down some milk. Yeah, chat. Do water. I have to eat the whole thing, chat? We got some right. strawberry milk. Okay, okay, go ahead. Just eat it. We'll come back to you in a minute. I guess it's the whole thing. I don't know. This you might be a bad it. mistake. This, this is horrible podcast listening. But uh, the entertainment value. So bad. Wow, his mouth's already blue. This... Look how blue. Look his lips. Is. <laughs> I 
my goodness. <laughs> this is the best thing that's ever happened on our show. He says, oh, it. my, it's going to kill me. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. Do you need to give me the controller? I just realized that. How are we going to no, switch the show? Breathe I'm through good. your nose. Keep your lips just closed. Just keep the intern cam up for now. <laughs> Okay, the show just took this massive plummet of well, the entertainment value is high, but yeah, a lot of us were here for other things. In the don't don't wipe your mouth and then wipe your eyes right after. Okay, by accident, I'm just gonna say don't don't do that. You're leaning off camera. The people want to see. Um, how hot is it on a scale of one to ten? It's hot. It's hot. No, give us a scale. The more breathing. The more breathing through your mouth, the more oxygen is flowing and the hotter it'll feel. I kind of feel Just keep bad your mouth now. closed, breathe through your nose. I'm trying to help I'm trying to help him here, although this is and sweating. If you need hilarious leave, and scary. You can go upstairs. Can you tell your wife to bring some milk. <laughs> you can go give me the controller. You go up there, you can raid the kitchen. Go ahead. Give I'm, me I'm gonna be a man. I got this. <laughs> I'm gonna be a man. You give me that controller if you need. If you have a problem, you go do what you need to do. Guys, I'm giving him permission. He can leave the show. Okay. This I'm is shaking. What we do I have the heat high. I'm shaking. He is shaking. Okay. Uh, Chris, do I have any legal repercussions for intern Ben doing something like this on my show? No? It was on his own ben, accord. Ben, give me a call after. We'll yeah. talk. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, oh, he has tears coming down his cheeks. Go go full screen again. Just last one before we go. I'm shaking. The... I have a heat high. I'm going to be turned into a meme. All right, let's go uh, four up again. <laughs> this is like a game of like hot ones. We're like, now produce the show after yeah. you eat a chip. Okay, so let's do it. Um, I might mute his microphone for a minute. Yeah. There we go, because he was breathing funny into it. But uh, Evan, yeah. it's hard to transition from that. But thank you, chat. You forced it upon him. I hope you feel bad for yourselves. Thank you for the likes. The great concurrent live. We're taking it to Evan's ABCs. Evan... Let's do it. All right. Keep that Ben cam up just so we all know he's doing okay <laughs> he's and breathing still. Uh, yeah. I, just just for the everyone watching live feeling okay while we play a fun game. Uh, and this is Know Your ABCs, by the way. We can call it Evan's ABCs too, but I like the Know Your ABCs. So with this, similar to Static Fiction, except there's three options, A, B, or C. You just have to guess which one it is. So we have... Uh, an elite event coming up this week a real a real tournament of disc golf of the best players all playing there uh so let's get into some questions about the las vegas challenge for 940 plus rated fpo players in 2022 the easiest fpo hole on tour was at las vegas challenge that is like that's a true fact i'm leading into it okay for 940 Which, plus rated you said for 940 plus rated okay. players, like I'm just just looking at those players, the one? easiest. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're getting oh, there. Oh, I want to know which course at Las Vegas that hole was the easiest hole on tour in 2022 for elite and major events for 940 plus rated players, the best of the best FPO rated players. I'm having which trouble course with was the it courses on? in my head. I w I wish someone could label. Well, that's why me. we got that's why we got A, B, and C. So we got A. The infinite course that is played on round one in previous years. I'll get to after the question, I'll talk about this year. But A, infinite, that's round one. B, Innova, which is rounds two and four. And C is factory, which is played during round three. Although this year it is called a millennium course. 
So, which course at Las Vegas Challenge had the easiest hole on tour in FPO for 940-plus uh, rated players? A, Infinite, B, Innova, or C, Factory? Man. I, uh, you want me to start, Matt? Yeah, you start. I'm honestly trying to remember which course is which, though. Like, I knew the course names, but I'm struggling yeah. right now, which is which. Man. I'll say I'll say A, the Infinite course. Um... I don't know. I honestly don't know because I'm stuck on the courses. I can picture it in my head. It's whole one in my head. Um, it plays into the sand traps. It's pretty short. What's I don't know what course that is. Chat, tell me. Um, no, 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 no. Um, infinite. <laughs> it's infinite. It's infinite. That's my guess. All right. Over to you, Chris. I'm going to go B just to be different and uh, say the end of a course. All right. Uh, the answer is a infinite all right i hate that you guys just got it by luck but that's that's I what this know, game is too. okay i didn't just get it by luck okay sorry I, sorry is matt, the course what, the matt got it, it wasn't hole one it, yeah. it wasn't hole one is there it probably the island, were sand like traps the, um... it's not the triple island hole or quadruple triple yeah. island. i think it's triple, I think triple. is it the uh, yeah go ahead tell us what it is it is hole three it's it was a 666 it's foot a short part five yeah uh, oh, for five for them for an FPO, and that's uh, why it was the yeah. easiest. It averaged three point nine four, yeah. uh, at being a par five for nine forty plus rated players. Uh, for twenty twenty three, uh, they are they are limiting the Las Vegas Challenge to just two courses per division. FPO is going to play Infinite and Innova, while MPO plays now called Millennium, but was the factory course in Innova. So FPO will still be playing this hole, but they did adjust it to be a par four for this year nice i i unmuted ben's mic for the sound effects but he's saying I'm really shaking I, I, I don't he know. says i need milk i need milk and then i said you can go get it and he's like no no i'm gonna be a man i got this and i'm like okay bro <laughs> men drink milk yeah it's a good drink it oh, used dude, to be I, a thing on commercials too glass of two every single day all right good so uh i have a point nick has a point chris sorry you get points in our book for your legal understanding but evan what do you got <laughs> All right. Since its its inception as the Gentlemen's Club Challenge in the year 2000, how many MPO players have won the event multiple times? An MPO, of course. A, one player. B, two players. Or C, three players. How many players have won the Las Vegas Challenge since 2000 under both names, Las Vegas Challenge and Gentlemen's Club Challenge? How many players in MPO have won it multiple times? I'm going with two. Which would be? Oh, you have B. to say who it is? Oh, oh, oh yeah. No, no. Paul yeah. McBeth. <laughs> no. Go ahead, Chris. I got to get a point here, so I got to be strategic. I'm going to say A. Yeah, the, uh, the Steve Falco rule. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm mainly paying attention to Ben right now. So I also, it's tough. Yeah. I'm trying not. Yeah, nine one one. I also want. I also want to say. No, you know what? I'm gonna say C. Three people since two thousand. Three people. All right, we got Matt with B two, Chris with A one, uh, and Nick saying C, which is three. Wow. The correct answer is C. Three players have won Las Vegas Challenge or Gentlemen's Club Challenge. Uh, since the year 2000, multiple times. Barry Schultz has won it six times. 
Uh, he won five in a row during the you know mid 2000 stretch. Eagle McMahon is another one. He's the only one on this list to win twice when it's an elite event. Uh, and Nico LaCastro has oh. also won it multiple times. Uh, I do have it right here because uh, that is important. He won it in 2012 and 2014. Eagle won it in 2018 and 2021. And Barry Schultz won it from 2004 until 2008, missed 2009, but won it in 2010. I, I you said Nico that would have been interesting to hear any not interesting in satisfactory way but him to have legal issue over this last year but maybe he did maybe it was settled outside of court this is the point I think this must happen in the disc golf world more often than we know this is one of the first public so anyways we're, we're kind of off that topic so Nick two I have one two Chris points. how many oh Never mind. Never mind. Don't worry about it. All right. I'm coming back. To do I'm it to he's, just, he's here for fun, you know? <laughs> All right, Evan. All right. Uh, Sarah Hokum is the current Disc Golf Pro Tour points leader, uh, thanks to the wraparound events. Uh, this is not the first time she's been the Disc Golf Pro Tour points leader in her career. The question is, when was the last time Sarah Hokum was number one in Disc Golf Pro Tour points after a calculated week? Uh a 2017 b 2018 or c 2019 did you say after any given calculated week so it's like at some point she was number one last time she was number one at, at some point yeah okay when it was calculated so uh -huh. after the event uh-huh what were they um, again one more time uh 2017 18 or 19 any, so and wait, a, specifically a, B, after lvc yeah. or just at any point not no, at any point during the disc golf pro tour okay. season. Okay. Oh man. You want Chris to take it first? Yeah, go Chris. Yeah. We'll put Chris out there. Which one? There you go. Sarah and Chris Zagone are clients and good friends of mine. So I'm going to be really embarrassed if I don't know this. So, um, <laughs> I'm going to say B 2018. I'm going to go a 2017. <clears throat> uh the 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 Nico clock has started. I know. Um, you gotta go the Falco rule. Two thousand and eighteen. I'm going with Chris on this one. If we get it right, we both tie Nick. No, Chris is oh, one back. Sorry, but... I, I like to think he's <laughs> I guess, tied. I guess he gets two points. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Evan. All right. The answer is B. Two thousand eighteen. So always listen let to the record counsel. reflect I answered I was, first. Yes. I was pretty confident with mine too. I said, yeah. always listen to legal counsel. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> he said 2018. I went with it. Nice. Um, so that ties me up with Nick now, two, two, and one. Uh -huh. Yep. So I didn't even have a bonus question, but I got one right now. Oh, I'm good. Oh, okay. So Sarah Hokum finished the year as number one in disc golf pro tour points. Let's go. Who was the highest, excluding Paige Pierce and Katrina Allen? So you have Paige Pierce, Katrina Allen, and Sarah Hookham excluded from this. Who was the highest uh, place in the standings uh, in FPO besides those three players at the end of the 2018 season? And Do you have a multiple choice, or are we just picking a player? No, no, no. We're just going to pick one, and you will both okay. pick a player. Whoever was higher will be the winner. Okay. So you can't pick Sarah Hookham. At the end of what season? I missed it because Ben's over here breathing heavy. That's okay. 2018. Yep. That was the last mm -hmm. time Sarah Hokum was number one in the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings. Did we ever she say what one. week that was? Did you ever say that? 
Uh, no, but I'm kind of getting there. Oh. It was after the final week. She was the, I think it was the last three calculated weeks of the 2018 wow. season. She was okay. all of the first, finished it on top, uh, and has now back on top. So I'm looking for the uh, highest rank, uh, place. I'm trying to figure out the right words for this. Who was the top in the standings of the Disc Golf Pro Tour standings besides Sarah Hokum, Paige Pierce, and Katrina Allen? So need a name of a player who was top of the standings. All right, Matt, put on the you random You said clicker. besides Paige and Katrina? Yeah. And Sarah Hokum. I'm excluding those three. And so because in 2018, who is it? Because yeah. you would either just say Paige no, Pierce or Katrina that's, Allen. I'm that's making what it we fun. have to pick, Matt. Yeah. So higher than Sarah. I'm trying to get this right. This, so we're no, 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 no. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's the uh, highest heights besides Sarah, Katrina, or Paige. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It's fourth. It's fourth place uh, or worse. I'll actually say this: it was third place because Paige Pierce was second. Katrina Allen was fourth. I okay. just knew the only guesses yeah. would probably be Paige or Katrina. So I'm making yeah. it interesting. Who finished third place in the 2018 Disc Golf Pro Tour standings in FPO? Uh, that, and Chris, you're not in the tiebreaker, but I'll let yeah, you get in. a guess in if you want. <laughs> but uh, yeah. we'll go Nick and Matt. Wait, can Whoever. I say something? He, he's yes. yes. You can say something. I can lead the challenge. It's been 10 minutes. I guess that's a challenge. So I, I can't. <laughs> 10, 10 minutes is a challenge. Right. Okay, we can't understand you, but we understand. He did the shaking, I got to go get ice cream. He's got it. He says he did it. After 10 minutes, he's calling it good, and he's going to get ice cream. Give me give me the controller before you go up. That's a challenge. Thank you, Ben. Mute the mic. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I told you it was just this breathing. You get the round of applause. All right, he's handing Yeah, well over. done, Ben. He's crazy. Right. He does it for the who, likes, uh, people, and the super chats are coming in for Ben. We'll make sure he gets some of that, some of it. No. Who do you who who do you want to go first, Matt? Oh man, I'm struggling with who it would be. I got to think. Um, back. I I have a guess. If you want me to go first, yeah, I mean, I got a guess too, but I want to go last. I wrote okay. it down, but I don't think it's. I think it's wrong. Um, back then, I'm I'm gonna be off. Valerie Jenkins. That's I'm gonna not, say Paige Paige Bjorkas. Back yeah. then, it was Bjorkas. Oh my goodness. That would be great. That was when my guess. Valerie, I'm going with I mean, she won worlds that year, so I'm assuming that Haley King. I'm changing but it. Even <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, when I said Val Jenkins, she wasn't I, playing then. It, it's I, I mean was say, I don't even think she was No, she wasn't. I had the the dates horrible in my mind. I understand I lost. I understand that, but I am changing <laughs> yeah, things. I'll switch. All right. I'll switch mine so that I won't overlap with with Nick. I'll say okay. Jessica Weiss. All right. Ooh, that's a great guess. Cool. Let's start off with Matt. Man, did I bomb it. Val Jenkins is not it. She, uh, she only playing. played one event that year. Yeah. She came in fifth, so that's good. at uh, SFO, San Francisco Open. Mm -hmm. uh, you changed it to Haley King, who also only played one event and finished eighth at Ledgestone that year. Uh, so <laughs> not right either. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, a little bit early on Haley King, a little bit late on Val Jenkins. Both great players finished high in the standings in other years. You should have just said Juliana Corver. That would have been yep. the so, three best answers. <laughs> so I, I, Nick wins by default, at least in the Nick and Matt I battle for the head-to-head so -head for the winner. <laughs> Paige Shu finished tied for sixth. Yeah. Uh, she played almost every event that year. Uh, had a couple drops. Uh, very good year. Of course, Worlds at that time didn't count for Disc Golf Pro Tour points, but yeah. her season otherwise was very season. good. Yeah. Yep. But I'm going to go over to Chris, who said Jessica Weiss, which is a very good guess. Yep. Not only was she higher than Paige Chu uh, Bjerkis, mm -hmm. she was the number three. You got it exactly wow. right. right. Right when you said Jessica Weiss, I was like, that's that's who I was missing. 
Mm-hmm. That was yeah. that well, was thanks. a good year. I remember. Like, uh-huh. man, good job. Chris. And thanks to Nick for guessing Paige because I was going to guess Paige instead. So. Yeah. So I mean, realistically, oh, thanks, thanks to Matt for guessing two players who barely played. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... yeah. I should have said all the players who aren't playing anymore. Yeah. Um, I I'm serious. I was super distracted. He it was crazy over here. Um, but Chris just got that point. I mean, we're tied all around. We're going to bring Chris back in as a tie. We're calling it what it is. It's it's fair. Uh, <laughs> nice. T- sue us, Chris. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, wow. I object speculation. Yeah. So we talked about a fair amount of things. And quite frankly, I... we just hit our two-hour mark. And people love that. We do not often have a show of this much concurrent viewers and this much excitement and intern Ben doing what he's done. This was a fantastic show. Chris, we thank you very much for coming have, on. Go ahead, Nick. I have one more. I have one more question. One, thank you. I was about to say, can you take off that? So, not, technically, yeah, I'm, I'm multitasking. Now. Um, I mean, we've been talking about the Gannon Burr, you know, issue all night. But one other issue that's been brought up this year was a player potentially suing the PDGA over the transgender rules that have been applied to the 2023 season. Do you have any information on? any of that on how that could possibly go down i mean this is just another area where you know myself i'm very i would say immature in my knowledge in all this um but with natalie ryan and other transgender players being excluded from certain events going into the professional disc golf scene on the elite series events silver series and above i would say um can you kind of talk to us do you have any information on that any insider information uh Discoff.law on YouTube. We got some yes. videos up. That's the best I could do. Perfect. Uh, otherwise, no, I'll perfect. start talking and we'll be here 30 minutes. So no, that's, uh, that's the call. best, best yeah. way. We've, we've talked about that at length. That's okay. a great call. Awesome. Send them well, over there. I, I want. I'm going to check that out. No, I'm going to check that out. Discoff.law YouTube channel. Here's what I'm going to say. I think he gets more viewers on average than we do for each of his videos, but he doesn't have as many subscribers, which I want people to subscribe over there. And in turn, Ben will eat another chip. No. <laughs> I've got more chips lined up here. So, uh, but in all seriousness, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I got a text from my dad, which my dad's son, me is Matt. So you have, we have that in similarities. My dad said, if you're still listening, dad, shout out. He said, great guest tonight. He goes, of course, I love legal stuff. My BA was an administrative of justice or administration of justice. And I probably would have been an attorney if I wasn't a pastor. My dad is a pastor. Um, so it's it, it's kind of funny how that worked out. But anyways, great guest tonight, Chris. Thank you very much for coming on. Anything that we missed that you want to shout out besides getting people over to your channel? Um, last thing I'll shout out is the Uliberry Leadership Foundation. Mm. Great organization. We started last year. We're still trying to get things going. So go to yuli.foundation, yuli.foundation. And um, I, donations in any amount are very much appreciated. It goes to a great cause. All right. Are we going to see any of this Gannon talk? Are we going to see this on your YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, there was a little bit of a race. Um, <laughs> my Matt is doing the editing of the video I made earlier today. And so if you want to hear me say the things I said on the Nick and Matt show again on my channel, should be up probably tonight or tomorrow. In all seriousness. Awesome. All right, so we got to make sure, Matt, we are up at 9.05. Oh, it's up. But, <laughs> but in, all ser- no, in all seriousness, and I, I mean this truthfully, go over there if you don't have the time to listen to the Nick and Matt show again. That's where it's going to be condensed. I guarantee you you're not going to have a two-hour take, right, Chris? 
That's right. Okay, so that's worth probably it. probably a little shorter than that. <laughs> right. So so nice. definitely go check that out. And um, we appreciate your time, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Be happy to come back anytime. All and right. let me say one very last thing. I think Stat Mando is one of the greatest things to happen to our sport uh, ever. So um, big shout out to you, um, Evan. Yeah, and your team. that's incredibly kind. I appreciate it. All right. They're, they're all right. Thank you. Now, now, with that being said, that was too nice. We can't bring you back. We only have mean things to say. Yeah, about I, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> it's all right. Cool, Chris. Thank you very much. We're going to let you go, and we're going to wrap up the show. Appreciate it. All right. Bye. Okay, everybody. That was a show for the ages when we brought on uh, legal counsel, not for the Nick and Matt show. Well, kind of for the Nick yeah. and Matt show, but for the yeah, Nick and Matt show viewers. Um, we had a live call in there, uh, intern Ben ate a one chip challenge chip. You got to check that out. Um, and he's not even, speaking of, he's not here. Speaking, yeah. Speaking of intern Ben right now, cause he's Oops. in a blank chair right now, but speaking of intern Ben, March 18th and 19th, Ben is running the new England disc golf expo. He wanted to talk about Northeast a disc golf Northeast, expo. excuse me, Northeast yes. disc golf expo. And uh, so anyways, March 18th, 19th in Boxborough, Massachusetts. Check it out if you are a local in this area. Tons of great companies are going to be there. Statmando will be there. The Nick and Macho will be there. Uh, Trash Panda is going to be there. Overthrow is going to be there. A ton of people are coming out to that event. So if you are in the area, check it out and um, check out his Instagram page. You'll find all the links. In all seriousness, that's another thing. We're all here for the shout outs. In turn, Ben deserves, deserves that. I'll stutter to say it. Yeah. Uh, we, and for everyone, for, for everyone who donated earlier, I, I can go back and look at everyone, but we got, I think about $40 worth of donations that everyone's saying strictly should go to Ben because we made him eat a chip tonight. Yes. He will get burning off his whatever so YouTube decides to pay him, him, but we will make yeah. sure he gets it. Um, yep. In wrap up here, because I realize we're at two hours. Sometimes we go long on shows when it makes sense. Yeah. This is one of them. We're going to kind of do that. So um, mm -hmm. we are at uh, our topics here. So Gannon Burr, we just talked about all the contract. I was able to have text message conversation with him. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> but prior to the show, I was able to have a little bit of back and forth. Some private stuff. Um, some stuff that he said would be okay to share publicly. One of that being, look for the nickname uh, five, gis five Disc Gannon. Five Disc Gannon, he said, for the win. Now, I kind of asked, like, what do you mean Five Disc Gannon? says, I only have five discs currently. I'm going to play. I would have to say we'd bring in back our legal counsel again, but I think that would have to do with, if you looked at his contract or, or his, his qualm, if you will, he was saying he can't promote the current plastic. He doesn't feel happy with it. Mm -hmm. So you got to believe he can't do that now either because then that would void his complaint, right? So either way, yeah. he's playing with five discs. Um, he also said he will be throwing and wearing all Prodigy, which may not come as a surprise, but announcing he's leaving Prodigy and now he's throwing all Prodigy and wearing them um, is interesting. So five discs. I don't think that's five molds. I think that's five discs. So be on the lookout for that. You guys have any reaction to that? Wild. Yeah, wild. Yeah. What, I mean, what have we come to? Yeah. Good on him. I, I mean, from personal experience uh before i was a discraft sponsor player i actually was putting with pa4s and had a couple prodigy discs in my bag uh, but one of the biggest complaints was on some of the discs just the massive amount of flashing and i've felt some discs previously that you know players who or friends of mine who are players for prodigy have showed me 
Um, when it comes to the inconsistencies of their plastics and molds, I don't really know. One of the things that Gannon had talked about was the PA3s that he won the USTGC with were not the same mold as the PS PA3s that they came out with um, when he did win the tournament for USCGC. So I don't know if he finds the five best discs that he actually feels like he can throw. I'd be curious to see what he can do this weekend with them. It, something can be said about simplifying your bag. Uh, yeah. I mean, we saw like Ricky at, uh, oh my goodness, I'm blanking on the Nantucket. name. It, Nantucket, thank you. Uh, play with a shopping bag and have like three or four discs and, <laughs> yeah. and one. But that was Pretty also sure Nantucket. one of them was a DX Valkyrie that he found in the woods. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that yeah. That was also, you know, a, a good B tier. Uh, not quite uh, the best elite events that we see. So seeing five discs with windy conditions will be really interesting. But hey, that also might help him. I mean, he's obviously a great player. And we always say it's the archer, not the arrow. Uh, we'll see. Yeah, um, I will leave it at this. He did say uh, in my text message, I want to double check to make sure I have this right. Um, he's using this as motivation. And when he says this, we can assume what he means. But just got to use it as motivation for the win this week. So be on the lookout for that storyline. That would be I don't know, epic proportions. Because then we're bringing yeah. Gannon on to talk about his win, and we probably can't talk about anything else, but it would be like epic because of so much packed into your brain uh, for that portion. So that yeah. would be interesting. Okay, um, let's go to, we kind of previewed it a little bit, but the, the Pro Tour starts this week. I mean, like, what is it? It's Monday right now that we're doing the show. Mm -hmm. Thursday it starts, right? Thursday. Yeah. And, well, and this is technically an Elite Plus event, correct? No, 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 no. Elite Plus events are only Ledgestone and Portland. I uh, thought it was any event that was four rounds. No, it's, I mean, it's kind of been thought that Elite Plus events will be four rounds, but Vegas is not a, it might be the only four round non Elite That's Plus event, elite which plus kind of gets confusing because playoffs uh, yeah. will also be four rounds and they're not Elite Plus, yeah. different things. Uh, yeah. Kind of feeling all that out. But, Matt, you're absolutely right. It starts way before we know it. I'm going to be out there, by the way. Uh, I'm oh, flying man. out Wednesday, which is just yeah. like, like whoa. Uh, don't know if I'm ready for that, but uh, Are you going to remote season. in or are you coming back on Monday? I fly back on Monday. We'll see. No, we'll I, see. I have the line on my schedule. <laughs> I did just change my flights around, so it, it might be good, but might. All right. We'll see. We're going to need you. We're going to need you on Monday. <laughs> if there was ever yeah, a time. Yeah, we'll see. No, I'll, we'll I'll see. use the, the, the Gannon Bear logic. You know, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see. We'll hey, see. So we're, you know, really quick. Last thing I want to talk about Vegas. We were just talking about the courses. So are the courses the same, but the FPO players are playing the infinite in Innova course, and then MPO are playing Millennium, which was the Innova factory store in Innova? Yeah, you're with absolutely maybe correct. Some, with maybe some small I, tweaks on each course. I don't believe that any T pads moved. I think there might be small tweaks to Bassman placements. I'm not okay. 100% sure on that. I do know that pars have changed on the uh, infinite course, which is now an FPO only course for, for what elite yeah. viewers yeah. will see. So the event is also hosting AMS. It's hosting the Disc Golf Masters Tour. Um, so there's a lot of other players on there. There will be other divisions playing the infinite course don't know what those pars will be but they do play the same yeah. tee pads and baskets so other things do come into play uh yeah. i know changing tee pads and baskets on that course is very tough because uh the golf course Being is on a golf strict. course yeah, yeah. okay uh, in, i think I'm... i think this is a great move I, I actually i remember maybe it was last year or the year before but i'm pretty sure paul Macbeth had said that he wasn't going to play that tournament and there were multiple pros i just think paul off the top of my head but i think there were more multiple pros who said they didn't want to play that tournament anymore because playing the three rounds 
And then also the amateur weekends going on at the same time. You have literally hundreds and hundreds of people trying to practice all three courses within that week. And realistically, they just got done the all-star break. You have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to go practice three different courses for a four-round tournament. I think this is a great move. I actually really enjoyed the Innova Factory Store course when I went out there in 2021. Uh, but I think this is a great move for the tournament. I, I really don't think playing more than two courses is really necessary uh, for touring players anymore. And so as fans, I think, it, I think it, it's a great. Yeah. yeah. And as fans, I think it's tough to only see a course once. Cause then it's just super forgettable. Yep. You don't remember it super well. Yeah. I mean, you remember the, the infinite course because it has the triple Island hole. You usually yeah. remember like the first and last hole of courses. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I bet you if you quiz people uh, and you yeah. showed coverage of a hole, but you had no graphics and you said, Hey, what mm -hmm. hole is this? Or even what course at Vegas this is, I think yeah. fans would struggle. So with this change, hopefully it gets, uh, the course is to be more memorable, gets players to be more dialed. I think it's good all around. I, I got some quick topics just to uh, touch on in preview we also, of Matt. We also got to do predictions. I mean, realistically, this is the first tournament where we finally get to make some predictions. We can make them quick, but we have to do some <clears throat> predictions. The timer, the timer's up, and so we're going to limit this to two and a half minutes. I'm good with predictions and whatever else Evan had to say. So, Evan, give us your last thought, then we'll get predictions in. Uh, all right, I'll say uh, notable things. Kristen Tatar and Paige Pierce are not in the field for FPO. Uh, Tatar is still coming back from injury, and I, I'm not exactly sure why Paige didn't play this. Maybe she's dealing with an injury or just uh, a choice of what event to play. Uh, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, notably Ricky Wysocki, uh, just recently dropped from this event. So now we're missing both the number one players in the world, uh, at least to the official rankings. Um, it, and FPO, notably, Own Scoggins is now the highest-rated player in the field. Uh, first time she's ever been the highest-rated player in a field for an elite or major event. Uh, that is incredibly interesting. Uh, Eagle McMahon has won this event every other year he's played it. Uh, he didn't win it last year. Now he's playing it again, so it lines up. Uh, yeah, and, and MPO is looking... I mean, both fields are looking. I don't want to single out MPO, uh, but both are looking incredibly uh, interesting uh, just with FPO not having Paige Pierce and, uh, and Kristen Tatar kind of leaves like a little bit of an interesting factor I'm as well. I'm picking so. number one. I'm picking a number one because I could just say all the best FPO players in the field. So I'm going to pick Katrina. I think Katrina takes this down. There will be others that are close, but I think Katrina takes it down. And uh, MPO, it's a, it's a bomber's course. It's either Calvin or... Paul, I mean, sign, it would be awesome for sign, but I, I think it's, it's, oh man, I'm going to go with Calvin. You guys, this is a new year. I'm picking Calvin. It's a good one. Yeah. There you go. Whoa, right up, would you right look up. at that? It we, didn't really talk about, we didn't really talk about this. I can make my predictions very quick. I'm going to say either Eagle or Paul. I want to go with Paul, but I also want to say Simon in there because Simon was easily the best player this weekend. I feel like at the all-star event and the doubles and singles round, it was great to watch him throw MVP, but I'm going to go with my boy. Paul Macbeth is winning the first big tournament of the year. And then Katrina Allen on the FPO side. I think she's ready to just come out and dominate. Man, it's going to be hard to go three for three picks on Katrina Allen. Not that she doesn't deserve <laughs> it. Uh, but last year, the Las Vegas challenge, uh, two out of the four, uh, two of the, the podium spots, Katrina, uh, sorry, Kristen Tatar and Paige Pierce are missing. As I said, the mm -hmm. only other player within 10 strokes of Katrina Allen's winning score was Haley King. I think that's totally possible, but it's tough to pick Haley King right now. Mm -hmm. I was so close to wanting to pick Evelina Salonen and dang it and, and Hannah Blommers, but all stars just putting all stars just wasn't yeah. it. They still need to figure out some things. Uh, I don't know what else yeah. to say. So I'm going to go Katrina yeah. Ellen as well. MPO. I, I don't know where to go. Part of me is saying Paul Macbeth. Yeah. I like the Calvin Heinberg pick. I like the Eagle McMahon pick. I kind of want to go on a wild 
um, uh, change of course. Las Vegas Challenge is seeing a lot of new winners, like their first mm -hmm. win on Elite Major. Quality players, very good. It's not a fluky. It's just their first win. So I'm going to go Joel Freeman. Okay. Ooh, I yeah, might change that time. up, but that's as of the show big right time. now, that's who I'm picking I, Joel I Freeman. I think it's hard to call them dark horses, but honestly, Kevin Jones is in this. Um, Gannon mm -hmm. Burr is in this. Um, that's not a dark Corey horse. Corey Ellis just played great yep. at the All-Star event too. I mean, ton mm -hmm. of players really. It's going to be an awesome year. Line. Kyle Klein played great in the singles round. Going to be awesome. Fun, fun to watch. Yeah. And so let's, we're almost there, guys. Can I get my prediction? Do you, okay. Intern Ben's Thank back, you. everybody. Welcome to the show, Ben. All right. Here's Your one. green screen's all oh, messed up, yeah, but that's okay. okay. Uh, my prediction, <laughs> I'll just keep it quick. Gannon, Burr, five oh. is Gannon, and um, Paige Pierce. Going to win it. Take it down. She's not going. <laughs> Paige Pierce is going to win yes. it. Oh, man. Sure. I'll cut you some She's slack in the trip. <laughs> no. She won't be there. <laughs> we you missed it. You were okay. Right. Uh, cat merch. Thank you. Whoa, cat merch is a. Is a I literally thought horse. he was about to say That's Chris of Tatar. And I was gonna say we'll go with that one. Yeah. Um. So <laughs> cat merch is a token Ben pick. I'm Good putting pick, up the but... two and a half minute timer because we got to keep ourselves in there. We're already over here. So, All right. Prodigy loses valuable players in recent years because we've talked about the whole thing with the legal suing Gannon, all of that. Great conversation. I. I think people are saying in the chat, this is one for the ages. This show is a top five, da, da, da. They're loving it. I don't want to go down that road quite as much, but is it overreaction to say that Prodigy has lost a lot of valuable players in the recent years? You'd say, well, what does a lot mean? And then I would say compared to other manufacturers. So that's your differentiator. Yeah. Innova, I feel like, would be in that conversation. Um, and... I listed off the names earlier, but you had some significant players had they stayed with Prodigy would have made a, a big deal for Prodigy and they're leaving. What is it that's not allowing Prodigy to keep the players? Are they just not willing to dish out the money? Uh, I mean, we see people, yeah, it's the money maybe. And Innova losing players too, probably the same thing. So what do you think, Evan? The the money issue is really interesting. Now, uh, that earlier the disc golf dot law threw out the idea of maybe someone is going to try to buy prodigy. A lot of these ideas point to like money issues, you know, that the COVID was tough as much as the sport boomed. A lot of things are changing. Plastic was hard to get to prodigy notably moved a lot of their production over to China to cut costs. So this might tie into a lot of other things that they just couldn't pay players a lot. They did. They were able to re-sign Kevin Jones. We don't know the numbers, but I'm going to guess that that's a good deal. They still have a lot of other notable players, but their team is getting awfully slim. I don't, they don't really have a notable FPO player at all. I leak uh, lucky Lorenze uh, and um, I'm, what's the lefty really good putter. Why can't I remember her name? Heather young, excuse Heather me, young, uh, who, who hasn't played. And so yeah. that's all they have for FPO and their MPO team is getting slim as well. And it is really 30 interesting. Seconds and left. And tells me that's money. People are calling out the fact that in this court um, filing that they said like they're elite player again in Burr, like they, that's their only one. I mean, that's got a yeah. rough yes. DJ. They almost like B-listed. Yeah, yeah. They almost B-listed <laughs> so, everyone else on their team. And that was, uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like that's lawyer speak. Look, that's bad they, lawyer speak. I don't things, know. I mean, Fire. If, if you're not in the chat, if you're not in the chat kind of following along, uh, one of the biggest things that was said, even in the chat tonight, Pat McMahon, Eagle's dad. And Pat was saying in the chat, this is coming from him is that he told Eagle years and years ago to, you know, pretty much stay away from Prodigy. And, and I've mm. heard that from multiple people, multiple touring pros that I've talked to throughout the years and just different sponsorship changes. Um, there's just behind the scenes stuff. I don't know all the details of it, um, 
barely know any of them, but there's a lot of people who I trust that have said, nope, we'll wouldn't go there even for a million bucks a year. So okay. I don't know. Uh, I think that, I think that speaks a lot. Look at their team in 2013 when they first announced and look at their team now. Yeah. That's you know one of the biggest things in the sport. Uh, for, for the chat, if we get a thousand likes, I'll eat the chip before the show's done. I have another chip. Thousand likes. Whoa. Thousand likes. But I'm only giving the two minute counter here. You guys better hurry. Hey, how about this? 475 yeah, likes and Ben eats another yeah. one. Dude, <laughs> they, they better hurry, though. They better hurry. If we get to a yeah. thousand, it's it's got to be quick because here's our last topic. Um, yeah, I'm scared to eat the chip, people. That's why I did it that way. Okay. Paige Pierce, <laughs> look ahead. Uh, she's Where is not, she? She's not at LVC. Yeah. She wasn't at All Stars. We know that she did her disc golf tourist thing um, this off season, which she had done for many years. Uh, I think it was two years ago or a year ago. Both of them. She went to Hawaii and was figuring out, and rightfully so, what she feels about her life. And I'm really making a broad statement, but that was people were concerned. Is like, how is her play going to be? It was seemed like it was on the downslope. Um, last two and a half minutes of topic talk here, guys. What do we think about Paige Pierce just in general for this year? She's an obvious competitor, but there seems like something was lacking over the last year. She was able to win, but she also had very poor showings, like pretty bad. It, it, so why is the roller coaster so high? Because she's not Nate Sexton. Like she just goes for everything. I mean, is that the problem? I mean, what's yeah, the look ahead yeah. for Paige? Is she going to be relevant for here on out for the next year or two or three? I mean, she's talked about losing motivation at certain points in the season. Uh, one of the biggest things that she had done recently coming out with that documentary on the world, um, that was huge. I think that launched around Ledgestone of this past year. And we kind of see all the ins and outs of what it's like behind the scenes. And she had talked about just how, you know, crushing that tournament was, the way that she lost it and the fashion that she lost it. And then also motivation throughout the year. Um, you have one player just absolutely excelling and just living off that high, getting 100% podium throughout the year, crushing worlds, crushing pretty much every single event that she's playing in. And then your inconsistencies are causing such turmoil in your disc golf career right now that mo motivation is just a huge thing. I mean, it's not easy week in and week out, especially when you you know, consider yourself one of the top players in the world. You talk about one of, being one of the top players in the world. It's it's hard to talk your game and then back it up. Cause when you don't back it up, you take so much more of an emotional hit by saying like, Oh yeah, I'm, you know, this great, incredible disc golfer. And then here I am mixing cash at this event or getting 10th, 12th, 14th, 16th at this event. I mean, we look at that as for page Pierce, like those are bad scores, bad places to get. Yeah. I'm it, laughing. You get 40 seconds, Evan, but someone said I should have had to eat a chip tonight because I guessed Val Jenkins and Haley King in the game. So anyways. Yeah, that's fine. Ahead, Evan. Close, close out this topic. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a <laughs> it tough horrible. mentality thing because she hasn't had someone uh in her career really just get the better of her head to head wise. Uh like truly like beat her. And Kristen Tatar has been doing that. Katrina Allen has been an incredibly good opponent to Paige, but Paige has still had her overall in the head to head. So I think there was probably a lots of other things going around, but my guess is like that just like just made things come out a little bit more where she was just feeling a little bit, not confident. Um, all I think it takes is just a win or two against Tatar that like really feels earned, not really Tatar missing a putt uh, that rolls away badly, like a true, like, Pierce gets the better of Tatar. Uh, and I think that'll happen. And I think that might kick her back into gear. So uh, Pierce is playing all the elite events pretty much after Vegas that I can see up until the West coast. And then who knows, 
I think she'll be fine this year. It'll be really interesting to see how she does against Tatar. Okay. Yeah. Intern Ben yeah. is back. We'll let him I'm have back. the last word about how it was. Honestly, it sucked. I literally, like, the reason I kept holding my hands like that is because I couldn't <laughs> hold them flat. It felt like I had, I don't know if carpal tunnel is, like, the right word, but it felt like I couldn't <laughs> leave them flat. They're like this. Spicy mouth carpal tunnel. I was like, it was literally, I was shaking. It was, it was crazy. So, Nick, it sounds like you're up next. Oh, for the one chip challenge? <laughs> oh, dude, I, w- I would die. I, I would literally die. So I'm, in, die. I'm in I'm in Nashville right now, and they pride themselves on hot chicken. And, dude, I went out and got a chicken sandwich for brunch yesterday, and I got mild. And I was still sweating bullets, even with pouring ranch all over it. I literally, I, I was drinking a mimosa, but I was literally, you know, asking the waitress. I'm like, can you bring me just a gallon of milk? Because I'll literally drink the whole thing right now I, I'm <laughs> an absolute, oh today today i got a the nashville sandwich. hot dude, man I, got, I like nashville yeah. hot it's a good flavor and it is if you, if you get yeah. the spicy it's pretty it's dude, good have, it's good they have well, some really spicy so i will give nick a doritos chip if yes, we get regular spicy likes, dorito chip oh, yeah i'm just oh, talking about nacho cheese so oh i can do nacho cheese <laughs> I, I love those i've actually had the spicy ones before so it's so funny to me how if it's a good spicy flavor it's actually fun and addicting to eat, but like I, I'm drinking, you know, a gallon of Coke the whole time or just 10 cups of water, just trying to like tone it all down. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I've actually over the last year have explored a lot more in the heat section of foods mm. than I have ever in my life. I mean, well, dude, five, five years ago, there are some barbecue sauces that are too hot for me. The like packy that, one chip challenge is for you then. Packy one chip challenge. So. I'll literally I'll I'll pass okay. out on if if you guys want to see me pass out on the show I I will do it next time it, I'm in Massachusetts. We're gonna if, do a punishment yeah. on the course, something like that. You got to play a hole and okay. It, yeah. it, Someone what, asked if I can handle the GG hot and spicy jerky. I've had it before and it it really is tough for me to handle. Okay. So that like that's the extent of. My Someone says fifty bucks for me if I'll take the chip in the last ten minutes. Oh, fifty. I don't need oh, the money. I don't need the money. I'll do it for the likes though. Okay, so here's my closing (laughs) thoughts. I took a lot of notes from this weekend. If we had to judge how players are going to do this season off of All-Star Weekend, I think a lot of players would be sorely lacking. That being said, in the singles event, there was some better play. But I think standout to me, Paul McBeth's forehand. Am I off here? Or if you watch the singles round, did his forehand look really good? Like, he's not a forehand dominant player, in my opinion. But... This course probably shaped up for it because I remember Eagle throwing backhand lefty at one point, but like it just looked super solid and clean. And yeah. I saw him do it over and over. So I don't know. Paul McBeth's forehand looks looking really good. No, it definitely it looked really smooth. I think. Um, I mean, living down in Florida now, he's getting a lot more opportunities to practice in the off season, and I'm sure that's one thing that he's been able to utilize is just working up that forehand again. Um, Jeremy Colling years and years ago, I forget what coverage he was doing commentary on, but he had said it might've been European open from 2013. Um, but he had said, Paul McBeth really does have one of the most underrated forehands in the game. Now it's not the most flashy forehand where it goes the farthest, or it doesn't look as smooth as let's say Jeremy Colling. Um, but when it comes to getting the job done, his forehand actually works out very, very well. Okay. No, I agree. And we're at the last minute of the show here. Uh, we didn't have the ex- same excitement of a Nico Ace. Remember that? That was crazy bumping and rolling mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But Sarah Hokum got a, a an accuracy challenge ace. That was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else do I see? Oh, Paul McBeth 360 drive and doubles. 
um, on hole 17. I honestly, it was funny because it totally botched it. Still threw further than me. But it, my my takeaway from that was I was like, this is what I want to see more of, is the lightheartedness, fun, it doesn't matter. And doubles allows for that. But I want to see that through the whole weekend. Like, I don't want people to really care if their team wins or not. And I know it seemed lighthearted, but like, the end of the day they're making choices to lay up or do this because they they're trying to win and i i just want to see fun like watch what i can do i can hit this 50 footer under my leg you know like i think that'd be more fun so seeing the seeing the 360 drive even though he failed and botched it i was like yes that's like what i want to see yeah so that's now my simon's, last take on there now simon's 360 drives on that same hole to the top of the hill smoked yeah oh yeah we didn't even yeah. talk about uh, simon we'll have to bring him on oh, so dude, i yeah, I, I I want to say he was he was to me the most impressive player that played in that All Star event, especially in the doubles and the singles round. His putting, I played around with him before we left for Vegas. He was hitting every single putt we were doing at Maple Hill. Yep. Um, his, I mean, he's in two it of the holes. It. Yeah, two of the holes were these massive kind of like not spike hyzers, but faded to left at the end, like five hundred foot shots. He parked both of them. He hit metal both times. It was you know two holes that equaled a thousand feet. He was putting at most like six feet. So yeah. The, Anyways, he he's coming out. I just heard the weather yeah. though. The weather there is going Looks to be awful. bad. I'm hearing yeah. like windy, like it's really cold. windy, cold, yeah. wet. So yeah. keep cold, an eye like out. It doesn't 55. look like it'd be fun to be there. That's cold for them, man. All right. <laughs> that, that's I'm, great for us. I'm stoked. 55 yeah. degrees. Sign me up. Windy, maybe <laughs> not so much. <laughs> Anyways, we got the yeah. music rolling right now. Everybody, appreciate you all tuning in for the chat. Over 1,100 people tuning in tonight to listen to an awesome episode that we had with chris and everything going on in disc golf right now so we appreciate you all appreciate all the sponsors check out Deskira, check out the newsletter check out dg max wax all those people ben's expo coming up next month don't forget to like comment yes. subscribe on the we episode. already talked about it oh, okay channel. thank you i appreciate yeah, that thank you so much guys don't forget to like comment subscribe tell someone you love them this week we'll catch you in the next one that's right ben you're extremely awesome tonight blue I love background you, blue mouth getting us the likes what a guy uh nick you're awesome evan you're awesome peace out everybody until next time the season has begun just about peace out peace the nick and matt show a disc golf podcast designed for you the disc golfer find the nick and matt show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on youtube